1: live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. Nothing but the truth. One man's journey to find it. It is July the 13th, 2015. Oh, an article posted out here. Uh, looks like uh, from uh, fox2now.com. I do how legit the whole thing is. <clears throat> it says here... Uh, A piece features full life-size portrayal of Michael Brown after he was killed last year in Ferguson. Uh, Michael Fur- Michael Brown exhibit opened in Chicago. A new art exhibit about Michael Brown police shooting in Ferguson is now displayed in Chicago. The piece features a life-size portrayal of Michael Brown after... He was killed last year. And by the way, if you've met, heard the show recently where uh, Jim Fetzer, says his name, <clears throat> talked about how that body supposedly laid there for four hours, and then magically they just threw it in the back of a car. I put my money on the fact that this life-size mannequin dummy is the same one. Hint, 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 for those who know, which is very few of us, that's what was laying in the street for four hours. It wasn't a human being, it was another false flag operation. To stir the pot. <clears throat> How interesting is our life? How Orwellian is it all? <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Anyways, we're going to start out by listening to um, this uh, video called uh, The Totalitarian Gay Agenda. House Democrats Want to Ban the Words Husband and Wife. Got some interesting things to say. Probably upset a few people. Then we're going to go back and listen. Uh, I think what we'll do, since we listened to... An hour or so ago, John Stewart stuff. We'll still listen to the rest of it, but I think we'll we'll go straight to the uh, 95% chance of Michelle Obama and Jennifer Aniston are, are men. <laughs> how interesting! Why not? At this point, with all the lies and deceptions, how they've been playing this. Uh, manipulating us with their imagery, their sorcery. Turns out that the TV and the uh, the entertainment, the uh, Hollywood magic sorcery is what it's always been about. And the amount of effort it is to break away from the delusion that we're under is quite tragic what we've gone through. Anyways, this guy has a few interesting points, and, uh, yeah, amazing. And I have a terrible headache, so I'll do my best to maintain this show, but <clears throat> i got a headache. So. Today is July
0: 12, 2015. Wow, wow, wow. I found out about this earlier today, and I've spent all day thinking in my mind how I was going to present this because there's like 10 ways I can go about describing what we are seeing here. And so I'll just start with this. I don't like Democrats at all, but this is one thing that I really like about the Democrats. The Democrats right now are openly communist, they're openly evil, they are telling you they want to completely control every aspect of your life. The Republicans, on the other hand, are very deceptive. They act like they care, they, they try to come off like they're the nice guy, but they're doing things that are evil as well. The only difference being is the Democrats are a much different flavor of evil and they're much more totalitarian and really just want to bring us into this 1984 brave new world society because that's what this is in 1984 if i remember correctly every month they were releasing a new edition of the dictionary and each month the main character winston would look through it and there would be less words in the dictionary every single month they were eliminating the language they're making it harder for people to express themselves, or at least they were in that story. In Brave New World, it's even more shocking because if you are not familiar with the two stories, the way it works is first you go into 1984, and then after enough time of that hell, you then transition into Brave New World, which is the scientific dictatorship. That is the end game tyranny. And I highly recommend you read both books. Read them in this order, 1984 first, because that's pretty much what we're living under right now. And then you will see how it will eventually transition into Brave New World. And in Brave New World, the word mother was actually considered a bad word. And there are times in the book where when someone said mother, they all gasped and they couldn't believe it. It was like the worst word in the world. It was like being a racist. And that's what the Democrats want us to go into. The most evil nightmares ever put on paper is their training manual. So let's see what they're trying to do today, because just in the last couple months, they've declared that it's socially acceptable for a man to wear a dress. They banned the Confederate flag. Seattle wants to ban houses because it's racist. They want to ban the words husband and wife. I mean, wake up, people. This is just in the last couple months. This has all happened. They are moving into overdrive. The next phase of their plan is underway right now. More than two dozen Democrats, so there's that many of them that are this evil, have proposed legislation that would eliminate the words husband and wife from federal law. Those gendered terms will be replaced by gender-neutral words like spouse or married couple, according to the bill from Rep. Lois Capps of California. They amend the Code for Marriage Equality Act, so this is all about equality. Equality equals communism. Do you really want to live under equality, knowing that the people that push it want to ban words like husband and wife? I mean, come on. Get real, people. Grow up. The, amend, the Code for Marriage Equality Act recognizes that the words in our laws have meaning and can continue to reflect prejudice and discrimination even when rendered null by our highest courts, Cap said. Our values as a country are reflected in our laws. I author this bill because it is imperative that our federal code reflect the equality of all marriages. They are doing all of this for 3% of the population. They want to upset 97% of all the people who are straight by changing the language for 3%. And you know what? I'm going to say this because I haven't said it in any videos. I do not blame the gay people for all the gay stuff we're seeing. It's not their fault because if it was only them that was doing all these things, nobody would care because they're only like 2 or 3%. It's the straight people, the tens of millions of them, who are throwing the gay stuff in our face all the time, who are trying to make us feel guilty all the time. It's their fault why we are seeing all this. And it's their fault why we're not going to be able to say husband or wife anymore in federal paperwork. I mean, I used to make videos a couple of years ago where I would say, if you want to see the future, just look at the UK. They're about three years ahead of us. And all the things that I saw them doing about three years ago are happening here. This is the kind of crap they were doing over there several years ago. They are banning all these words. And-
1: <laughs> just want to interject, if you've been paying attention to the show, if you haven't or are new, uh, go back and listen to the uh, series uh, America is Still a British Colony. Um, I don't know if it's called that or not. I can't remember. I think it is, yes. Or Gordon Comstock read the papers and the book. Um, listen, we are. If you listen to last night's show about the Treaty of 1783, we are. <laughs> we still are. And as somebody who, uh, who lived in England for several years, that would be me, Myself, um, I can tell you, he's right. Everything that's happening, if you want to know what's going to happen to this country, pay attention to what's going on in England. In fact, think about it. Maybe on television you remember how easy it was to hear British Parliament watch it. Why do you think that was? I think it was on C-SPAN or something like that, right? C-SPAN, C-SPAN 2, whatever or a Canadian channel, I don't know. The fact of the matter is, is that, folks, we are still owned by Britain. And Britain is part of the Roman Empire. We live. We are part of the Roman Empire. So, just wanted to interject that. That's the reason why he says, you know, things, you know, fall the same path as England is because, hey part of Great Britain's territory, where one of their colonies, we always have
0: that. Having all this gender-neutral garbage, and now it's in America. The Supreme Court ruled in June that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution means all states have to license same-sex marriages a ruling that effectively ended the same-sex marriage debate in America. And you know what's funny about that? They want to say that this debate on climate change is over. They say that the, the debate's settled. Even Obama has said it. I've showed the clip. And they're going to try to do that with, with that as well. At the end of the year, the UN, the big climate change summit, they want to have a worldwide agreement on climate change. And if it happens, I bet they're going to come out and say – The debate is over. Just like they're saying the debate is over here. The debate is never over on this topic. I get to say what I feel about same-sex marriage and reproduction and all those fun, happy things all I want. They don't get to take that away from me. I'm going to still say husband and wife. And what's so bizarre about all this and the changing of America is the fact that even growing up, for most women... Having a husband was like the most wonderful thing in the world. And same for a lot of men. And we've gone in such a 180 that we have wolf Democrats who want to ban the words husband and wives. And I only said wolf Democrats.
1: Wolf Democrats, by the way, are Fabian socialists. You might want to learn about Fabian socialism because it's a big part of our culture. comes straight out of regret. And it is a very relevant factor in our lives, a very relevant group. And their symbol is a, a wolf. Oh, it's, uh, was it a sheep in wolf's clothing? Something like that. So, <laughs> people, the more and more real I study this, the more I, it really is all about an attack on the Word of God and our faith in God that's what it's all about I can't believe I'm saying that you know a couple years ago I didn't even believe but through learning all this stuff I've come to believe in Yeshua uh, the Messiah and uh, that there is a God the true living God and this is what this war is all about and we've got to learn how to uh, be able to discern again. And I really believe that this military weapon called the uh, TV and the Internet, and I've come to believe that even public school system, um, higher learning as they call it, colleges and degrees, it's all a weapon, a Jesuit weapon. Learning upon learning, through sophistry, casuistry, through their sorcery, the average person has become a robot,
2: a mind to them. That includes
1: all of us. The amount of deception is just outrageous. So, here we're going to finish up with this, and then we'll go on. <laughs>
0: perhaps because they are wolves they tell us they're wolves look at these articles and the republicans meanwhile are wolves in sheep's clothing so i just this is unreal i mean i read 1984 probably 15 years ago for the first time and it was shocking the things that were in that story And it's unbelievable how much of it is now in our own reality.
3: Based on scientific data, there's greater than 95% chance that Michelle Obama Jennifer Aniston, and Serena Williams are all born men and now are either transgender, transsexuals, or transvestites. Uh, And when you use your intuition and your ability to to, to discern, I think you'll pretty much see that it's 100%, that it's a fact, that these three alleged women, these three iconic figures in our modern-day American society were all born men and have been uh, masquerading, have been... um, put out as a complete fraud that they're women, uh, which is a very disturbing thing on all levels. So this realization on my part came about in an odd way. People who are following our videos know that my family and I went camping after selling our homestead in rural Virginia, and we went camping around North Carolina and uh, Kentucky for about a seven-week period before uh, relocating to India for at least the next six months. It looks like it's going to be longer. And since that time, I've been working on uh, my second book in the, in the Art of Remembrance Trilogy, Aggregor, we're playing the finishing touches on that. I'm actually doing a lot of work on India and the various um, components of the New World Order here, uh, which has been very interesting and eye-opening. And then really, mostly what I've been doing is working on my spiritual practice and, and some other things. I have a lot of video clips to go through, so I haven't been following the, the American news, the American media very much. Don't really care about it. I'm glad to be away from it. But anyway, I came across this video, Irrefutable Proof That Michelle Obama is a Man. And I saw the title. I had a little bit of morbid curiosity. I thought it was probably you know, going to be something cheesy, but it was really well done. I was only going to watch a couple minutes of it, but I ended up watching the whole thing the movie makers make a very convincing case that Mel, Michelle Obama is actually a man, our first lady is actually a man. So I did my own research on it, and the filmmakers overstate their case a little bit. Um, but it's still very believable. When you do your own research, you look at the facts, the data available. Uh, so I want to go through that a little bit. I want to start off by saying that one of the big pieces of evidence, evidence is, is that uh, the comedian Joan Rivers, the, the, the now-deceased comedian Joan Rivers, Basically, outed Michelle Obama as a transgender person uh, in this video clip that I'm going to show you now.
0: And do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman we president? with Obama, so let's just calm down. Guys, Michelle Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. It's not me. It's got me. It's got me.
3: All right, so that's shown. Rivers. A few days after outing uh, Michelle Obama as a a transgender person, she came out and issued a statement and basically said she was joking. But you can see from the video she's clearly not joking. It's one of those sort of moments where a person, uh, you know, especially an older person, they know the truth and they just really want to say it. Um, And she's at a wedding and she gets asked a question and, you know, she didn't think better of it and she just spilled the beans more or less. Um, and, and, you know, just a moment of honesty of a moment of, uh, sort of a, um, an emperor has no clothes type moment or an emperor is wearing a dress type moment, but she's clearly not in her comedian persona. She's not being a comedian. She's clearly telling the truth. I think the most telling moment for me, I mean, she's obviously telling the truth throughout the, the experience. She's not in any way acting or, uh, playing a part or being a comedian or joking around but the most telling moment is right at the end her, her back is to the camera i'm going to play that little clip again but she says it's okay you know it's okay that she's a transvestite it's okay you guys are ready for this it's okay to have a transvestite as a first lady so she's she's basically uh giving her a blessing to the situation and she maybe really wants to tell it for that reason she's a a big supporter for the gay community. She's officiating a a wedding for the gay community. So she she wants to have a a, a transvestite, a, a transgender person as the first lady or a gay person as the president. But whatever her motivation, she clearly believes what she's saying. She says that her and her friends, people, everyone knows it, everyone she's associated with. Within, within her circle, within her circle of celebrities, within the gay community, knows Michelle Obama as a transgender person. She believes that. You can see from the video. All right, here's that last little bit where she, her back's turned to the camera. I'm going to turn up the volume so you can hear it. That's okay, she said. Well, that's Joan Rivers. Before I make my case at these three people, these iconic figures, actually, actually might have been originally born men. I want to say this sounds crazy. I thought it was crazy, and on some level I still think it's crazy. This claim is really, really hard to believe. And I'm going to get to what I think is the most important piece of this. You really can't understand this or really believe in it unless you understand why. Why would the powers that be make something like this up? Why would they try to to do, do this really hard and possible thing, make things really hard, spend lots and lots of money and resources on uh, panning off men as women, well, what would be their motivation for this? And once you understand that, it gets a lot easier to believe that it's actually happening. But before I start with uh, the evidence, I wanted to go ahead and um, actually make this harder to believe. Because after looking around, I found that there was actually baby pictures of um, Michelle Obama, at least they're claiming these are her baby pictures. There's baby pictures of Jennifer Aniston, and there's uh, baby pictures of Serena Williams, all three of which are raised as girls. They were raised as women. So for for this thing to actually be true, uh, unless these are some kind of doctored Photoshop pictures, this would have had to be a well-planned-out, executed conspiracy that was years in the making where they were raising girls for these iconic positions, uh, raising boys as girls, hormone replacement therapy, working on them, training them to act as women, doing whatever they can to turn them and transform them into women. Uh, This was a a monster conspiracy. It would have to be uh, extraordinary conspiracy. And so that makes it really hard to believe. The other piece that I, I think that uh, makes it hard to believe is their voices. If you listen to all their voices, maybe for the, the exception of Serena Williams, but both Michelle Obama and Jennifer Aniston have voices that sound relatively um, okay. You know, they sound like women's voices, and even to some extent Serena Williams' voice. So when you hear transgender people talk, Usually, you can tell it's like a man who's had hormone replacement therapy, uh, you know, and then has some level of a female voice, but also is maybe acting a little bit. In terms of the voices, though, there are plenty of people that get hormone replacement therapy. There's lots of singers that have had it. These sort of boy band, Michael Jackson. There's lots of claims that he had a uh, female hormones to make his voice higher, uh, and you could probably tell when you listen to his voice that there's something been done there it's not, it would always sound a little bit unnatural um so but 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 even with that these are two 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 roadblocks to being able to believe that this is actually happening that these people are actually men they were born men and are, are now posing or acting as women but there is something that will make this a lot easier to believe and that is that people lie People are great liars. The people that are in power are lying all the time. We are being lied to all the time. Our history is a lie. Our um, media is a lie. Our entertainment is a lie. And most importantly, in terms of the subject matter presented in this video, is that all of these celebrities are a brand. All of these world leaders, all these public figures, all these politicians are a brand. They are an illusion. They have a huge budget and they have a huge staff. Uh, you can see this, how many, how much celebrities are, um, what they look like with, with and without their makeup on. Uh, it's, it's quite a transformation and just for that. But everything that they do, all the podo, photos that they pose for, uh, everything that they create, all the statements they make, all the narratives that are about them, they try to control. They have publicists, a huge staff. They have a huge crew that may try to maintain a narrative that they control about their lives. So they are, in a sense, you are already, in a sense, believing an illusion. Michelle Obama, Jennifer Aniston, and Serena Williams are already an illusion. They are already a brand. So all we really have to do to believe that this is possible, that these people are actually men posing as women is include that narrative within the illusion that we're already being sold, that we know that we're being deluded, we know that we're being lied to, just include that. It's not that much of a a leap to say, well, these people are actually men pretending to be women. The second eye-opening narrative that's very important to the content of this video is about the amount of resources and attention the transgender community is getting, as well as the breakthroughs in technological development that is now available for sex change operations. The first piece is that Time Magazine ran a huge cover story about the transgender community. The Huffington Post has their own transgender page. And as I said earlier, there's just a lot of resources and attention going to the transgender community. There's also been breakthroughs in terms of the sex change operations and plastic surgery. The first sex change operation took place, I believe, a little over 60 years ago, and plastic surgery is going back to ancient times, and in modern history, it goes back to the 1920s. So just like with anything else, if you dump enough time, energy, and resources into it, there'll be a lot of advancement in that technology, and there is in the sex change industry. There have been so many technological breakthroughs that the author of this article suggests that a complete sex change is possible in just 10 years, and that's with full reproductive capabilities for the newly operated on person. And there's also been aesthetic breakthroughs as well, so much so that there is a transgender person, a transgender woman, who is trying to compete for and represent Canada in the Miss Universe pageant contest. In doing research for this video, I'm really stunned at how much attention and resources that this particular issue is getting. I understand it must be extremely difficult for a person to be born as one gender and identify with the other gender to feel like a man trapped in a woman's body or feel like a woman trapped in a man's body. I can understand how difficult this must be, and I can empathize with those particular people. However, people in America who identify themselves as transgender only make up 0.3% 0.3% of the entire American population. It's a very, very small amount of people, but you see that this has been something there is a lot of money for. There's a lot of research for and there's a ton of attention and publicity for this particular issue. You think that half of the world's population is living in extreme poverty. We're talking about 3.5 billion people and there's so much attention about the transgender community that only makes up 0.3% of the population. You, you hear very little about the people that are starving, you, feel, you
0: hear very little
3: about people with say cancer or some of the, 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 the myriad of diseases that most people haven't even heard about and there's no money, no time, no resources and no publicity for these other types of issues. This is an undeniable fact that the people that run our planet, that run our material existence, are very concerned about the transgender movement, the transgender issue. They are voting with their pocketbooks, books. they're voting with their media corporations, they're giving a lot of attention to this issue. And the next piece I'm about to tell you is really stunned me. I have been totally shocked about this new discovery that basically happened today. Many of you probably are aware that the comedian Dave Chappelle went on the Oprah Winfrey show and discussed how he thought that there was a, basically some sort of conspiracy to get black comedians, to get black actors in dresses, to maybe effeminize uh, the... Ah,
1: they dropped me again. Okay. Here we go, a ritual. Amazing.
2: They do it to me every show. Let's see what happens.
1: Literally, every show, I get disconnected from the Internet. (laughs) What is up with that?
3: The, black we go. Males, the, the prominent black males in the entertainment industry and, so, and some athletes I guess as well and there's been a bunch of, of videos about this I've actually watched a couple of videos about this some really well done videos documenting the amount of famous A-list black athletes and actors and famous black people who have been effeminized. So I basically believed that this was an actual conspiracy and it was just another way uh, of demeaning the the African-American population here, which there's a lot of evidence that that actually happens. But now, after today, I believe that it isn't just about black men and effeminizing black men, because there is a ton of evidence that this also has to do with white male celebrities, white a list male celebrities. It started when I remembered that uh the A list actor Tom Hanks, the famous actor Tom Hanks, was in a show called Bosom Buddies, where he basically had to dress up as a woman because he was living in a woman's apartment building or sorority or something. I think that show was on for about a year. I remember the the movies Tootsie and um uh Mrs. Doubtfire and various times that I've seen white male actors being dressed up as women and for various roles on skits on Saturday Night Live and in movies and TV shows. This is also a a reoccurring theme. And very recently, while I was doing um, some research for this video and pulling some screenshots, I came across pictures of Michelle Obama going on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon dressing up like a woman, Michelle Obama dancing with Jimmy Fallon. I see this video a long time ago, actually. Uh, It kind of disturbed me that there was something I didn't think was appropriate for the first lady to be doing at the time. Came across another photo of uh, Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell dressed up as women, and the two of them did a skit with Michelle Obama. So you have this situation where Michelle Obama is twice on The Tonight Show with men dressed up as women. So you have basically three men dressed up as women, including Michelle Obama. So this led me to start looking for other famous actors, white male actors, that had to dress up like a woman in various roles, and it's pretty much all of them. All the A-list actors you can think of in movie after movie, and television show after television show, you find that all of these actors, particularly these famous celebrity actors, these A-list actors that make millions and millions of dollars, at some point in their career, they have to dress up like a woman. They have to play the part of a woman. It's like they go into some big executive office and say, you know, I really want to be a famous actor. I really want to be a famous celebrity. And the guy said, oh, yeah, well, we'll put on this dress. I mean, you see it time and time again. I'm pretty stunned by this revelation. So it's not just about feminizing black men but it's also about effeminizing white men. But getting this idea across over and over about uh, men dressing up as women, it's, if you think about how many movies have been about this subject, how many TV shows have about, been about this subject, or just random characters in a movie or TV show, how many times do you see a homeless person? How many times do you see a starving person or a person with cancer or some rare disease? Again, The people that run our planet, that run the power structure, are constantly putting this idea about men dressing up as women, particularly men dressing up as women. Sometimes it's about women dressing up as men. But the majority of times that you see this narrative, it is about men dressing up as women again, over and over again. This is happening. And for these aspiring actors or for these actors that have made it, to get into the club, they have to dress up as as a woman. You see this within the Freemasonic community. The initiation ritual that the person has to go through to become a member of this club is filled with humiliation. They have to wear this specific uniform, this specific set of dirty rags that they're marched around uh, the Freemasonic Lodge. And you see this in fraternities. You see it in Skull and Bones. I noticed this, there's this one... Um, picture of matt damon dressed up as a woman it's from the movie the good shepherd where matt damon plays a person who goes to yale university and then he goes through skull and bones and then through skull and bones the cia is is basically created through that secret organization in, in yale university and there is matt damon wearing a dress as a student at yale university i think the the person that directed the movie was uh, robert de niro he's also wore a dress in many of his movies and he's played the devil, Lou Cipher, in the famous movie uh, Angel Heart, and that's a select group of people. I'm going to cover that in another video. Uh, but this is there's a tie here between the satanic community, between the Freemite and Masonic community, between the Illuminati, all these secret organizations, and men being dressed as women. And I'm going to flesh that out a little bit more at the end of the movie. And there's one more scientific piece, to this puzzle I'd like to present before getting into the evidence that Michelle Obama... Jennifer Aniston and Serena Williams are actually men posing as women, and that is that the scientific community has done a lot of research and development, has had a lot of success of splicing genes together of various creatures. The spider goat comes to mind. People remember the spider goat splicing the genes of a spider into a goat, um, but this has happened with a variety of creatures. Of course, there's the GMO babies. That's where they've made genetically modified human beings, and there's some um, debate about who owns the baby, if the gene is patented, and does the corporation that patented the gene own the genetically modified baby? And then, of course, cloning. They've cloned a sheep. They've cloned a cow. They've cloned various creatures. They are working to secretly clone human beings as well. It's against international law to clone human beings, but you know they're doing it anyway. And so there's a lot of evidence that they're cloning human beings already. The transgender operations of the future will involve stem cell technology, growing human tissue from stem cell technology. This involves cloning as well. Cloning and stem cell research are completely intertwined with each other. And also imagine taking a genetic material from a male who wants to become a female and turning that genetic material into a female version of that person Most of this research is being done secretly. We have no idea what they're capable of doing right now, what kind of technology they have right now for this kind of experiment. We do know that based on the information presented here, that the powers that that be the so-called elite are obsessed. They they care very deeply about the transgender movement and turning males into females and females into males, and there will be a lot more development for this type of surgery, for this type of transformation in the future. But again, going back to what I said earlier, there are a lot of successful transgender operations that have already taken place, and these are private individuals people using their own limited financial resources to turn themselves into women, to learn to act like women, um, getting hormone replacements to feel like a woman, to feel biologically like a woman and mentally like a woman. So what would it take for somebody like an A-list celebrity backed by the government, backed by some controlling corporate entity or government agency like the CIA and they could start this process in utero, or shortly after the baby's born, working on the child, developing their abilities to act like a woman, to actually become a woman. So with all this modern technologies and these advancements with transgender operations, as well as genetic splicing and genetic manipulation, all the training and all the skills, and like I said, all the unlimited resources, this is totally possible. This is something that they could have done and in fact have done. All right, so let's get into the scientific evidence. First, I want to talk about the hands. The most compelling scientific data that we have available to us to determine whether Michelle Obama is actually a man is to do with the hands and more specifically the index finger and uh, ring finger ratio. It's called the D2 divided by D4 ratio in the scientific world, and it's something they've known for quite some time. The scientific community and, and people in the past knew that the size of a man's ring finger in proportion to his index finger was a good indication of how uh, virile he was, uh, how much testosterone he had, and a woman, uh, if her index finger was bigger or much bigger than her um, ring finger, again, her fertility rate would be much higher. Uh, this more feminine characteristic, but the scientific community never really was able to figure out why this was the case, and now they have. So really to understand how powerful a measuring tool this uh, 2D, 4D d- digit ratio is, here's, here's one quote from a scientific report. The mean 2D divided by 4D result for males are 0.958, and females 0.972. So that's basically 96% in males and 97% in females. So if you see a woman or maybe a man dressed as a woman, and you see someone like Michelle Obama or Jennifer Aniston or Serena Williams, and you see that their ring finger is actually longer than their index finger, then there is a 96% chance that they're actually a man dressed as a woman. It also matters how much bigger the ring finger is than the index finger. And you can see with these three celebrities, these three famous people, the ring finger is substantially bigger than the index finger, which is even more a case that they are actually men. And so I'm going to get into that a little bit now, uh, this, the scientific aspect of this thing. And what they've discovered is that sometime between the ninth and 13th week of pregnancy, testosterone, is, testosterone levels or estrogen levels are increased in the fetus and this affects the growth of the index finger and the ring finger. The testosterone affects the growth of the ring finger, and estrogen affects the growth of the index finger. Uh, The testosterone does not affect the growth of the index finger and the estrogen does not affect the growth of the ring finger. So uh, if the baby has a great deal of testosterone and it is going to be a male baby, it is going to make the ring finger grow larger. Here's a short quote about the scientific aspect about this. This is uh, basically a study done by these uh, three scientists, Dr. Zhang, Dr. Cohn, and Dr. Manning. And the this, this short quote says, When Zhang and Cohn blocked testosterone receptors, they got a female digit ratio, Manning said. When they added testosterone, they got super male ratios. And when they added estrogen, super female ratios. And they've provided us with a list of 19 genes that are sensitive to prenatal testosterone and prenatal estrogen. For scientists, this is a scientific breakthrough, but this is something that people have known for years. This is why the ring finger is the ring finger. It was an indication of the male's testosterone level that he was going to have a high fertility rate. Men with much longer ring fingers and index fingers had a lot of testosterone. They had a lot of testosterone while in utero, while they're, they're gender was being decided so when you look at michelle obama you look at jennifer aniston and you look at serena williams you could see why they were in utero they got a huge dose of testosterone they have very large ring fingers which you can see from all of these pictures they have a very high male ratio let me restate this based on the research that i've done and the information that's available in terms of what people have known for a very long time and that is that the ring finger and the index finger are a good indication of somebody's gender, at least in 96% of the time in men and 97% of the time in women, that would be the case. In men, the ring finger would be longer, and in women, the index finger would be longer. Now, there would be some cases, 3 to 4%, where, the like in a woman, you would have a ring finger that was maybe a tad longer, or maybe equal to the index finger. And in men, you'd have a similar situation where, where the, the, the ring, the fingers would almost look identical, identical. If you looked at it, it'd be hard to judge. And maybe if you measured them, you'd find that in men the ring finger was a little bit smaller than the index finger, and in women the index finger was a little bit smaller than the ring finger. And that would be the, 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 the anomaly. But since I've uh, came across this phenomenon, I have been asking people to show me their hands and I've looked around and you just won't see a woman with a very large ring finger, so much larger than her index finger that it would be noticeable in pictures like we see in the case of Michelle Obama, Jennifer Aniston, and Serena Williams. But let's just say that they are the three or 4% where they're, they're the anomaly. They are the, 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 the exception to the rule. We'd have to look at secondary characteristics, and there's other ways to tell, of course, that this is actually a man posing as a woman. These are actually three men posing as women. The filmmakers who made the video, the irrefutable proof that Michelle Obama is a man, used a variety of other scientific instruments or measurement tools to prove that she was actually a man. One of the um, tools they used was that The length of a man's body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet is supposedly eight of his own head lengths, and for a woman, it's seven of her own head lengths. I found that to be more of an artist's tool, I found that some artists used that standard. Other artists used different standards. I didn't find any scientific data to back up that claim, so I'm not going to use that in this video. One of the other tools I used in the irrefutable proof that Michelle Obama is a man was that of the shoulder width, and I'm going to talk about shoulder width as well as male and female torso differences. We all know that human bodies come in a variety of different styles and different types, but the skeletal structure of of the human males follows a very simple pattern, and that is that human males have broad shoulders and a V-like torso going down to a narrow waist. Females have narrow shoulders and an hourglass-type torso going down to wide, childbearing hips, one of the instruments used in the other video was that a man's broad shoulders could fit three of his own heads on them, and a woman's narrow shoulders could only fit two and a half. This is a well-known measurement standard. and in, in all three cases, with Michelle Obama, Jennifer Aniston, and Serena Williams, this standard would indicate that they are actually men. You can see in each one of these cases, the person can fit three heads on their very wide shoulders, and that would be... A pretty good indication that they are in fact men i want to go through each one of these cases and present some more evidence uh, that can show that each each one of these persons has a male type v type body shape and you can judge for yourselves whether you think these three people have male bodies or not which brings me to a larger point that within the animal kingdom all animals know what members of their species have are either male or female and they have instinct.
2: Well, they knocked me off the internet again. How about that? All right, here we go. Let's see if I can get
3: reconnected. skills. We all have instinctual skills to tell the difference between males and females and just by looking at them we we, we basically always No, There's a little bit of confusion in the human species. We've sort of gone adrift. We've gotten a little bit crazy, um, and we've gotten a little bit sort of distorted. As a species, we're very lost, and a lot of that comes from what I said before about we have the ability to lie, and we exercise that ability pretty much all the time. So we're always saturated by lies, and we often don't know what to believe. But we also have a higher ability. We have a connection to the, the divinity within us. We have connection to, to nature. We have higher level consciousness, and we could discern the truth. And that's pretty much what we always have to do now because we have been bombarded by disinformation and faulty ways of viewing the world. We have been indoctrinated, and we have been given faulty skill set, a faulty skill set and how to evaluate what's around us. We've been taught to believe lies. We've been taught to believe disinformation. And this is why they can get away with having the First Lady actually be a man. Even in the framework within this matrix, within this grand illusion, occasionally we wake up and spot something that doesn't seem right. We see something that's just a little bit off. And that is how Jennifer Aniston actually made it into this movie, because... Maybe a few years ago now, a year ago or two years ago, I made a movie called The Picture Perfect, the Jennifer Aniston movie with satanic and Illuminati symbolism. I pulled a lot of screenshots for this movie, and a lot of the screenshots were of her uh, wearing this skull ring. This is kind of a silly romantic comedy, and she's wearing this bizarre skull ring, this big giant skull ring throughout the movie which was a bizarre prop choice. But anyways, when taking these screenshots, I noticed that she had these sort of man hands, these big, thick-knuckled man hands. I actually thought at one point that they were using a male hand model
4: because it just
3: didn't look like there was any way possible that these hands could belong to Jennifer Aniston. She's a very small, petite woman, and she had these big, giant, thick male hands. And recently, when I was watching this movie about Michelle Obama actually being a man and this whole thing about the ring finger and the index finger, Jennifer Aniston's hands popped back in my mind, and I Googled a few pictures of her hands, and sure enough, her her ring finger is significantly bigger than her index finger, and there she is, a part of this movie and this analysis. So we often know something tells us something just isn't right. I think there's so much of that that's going on in society. I think we go asleep a lot of times because we would probably not be able to get anything done if we were looking at all the different anomalies off of all the different things that just don't make sense around us, our minds have actually created ways to fill in the holes, to fill in the gaps, and to believe the illusion that's around us. Going back to what Joan Rivers said about Michelle Obama. Michelle, Michelle.
0: It is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh, my gosh. She's
3: transgender. We all know it. We all know it. All of us know it. We see her all the time. Of course, it's a lot easier to tell this sort of thing if you saw these people in person. Most of us don't see any celebrities in person our whole life. We're never around these people. So they're able to cast these illusions with makeup and lighting, the way they position their bodies. In many ways, for these celebrities, these these people that are out in the public eye, their whole lives is a show. Their whole lives have a staff manipulating, manipulating the image, manipulating the brand. So it's very easy for them to put one over on all of us. And when any of us would actually think, wow, I wonder if they're going to try to pass a man off as a first lady this time. It's not something we're looking for. It's not like a curveball. It's not like a, it's, a, it's a new pitch that no one's ever thought of. Why would they possibly do this? And when I get into the why of it, That's the part why I'm really making this movie. First, I just want to do some analysis of each person, show their different images, show their different body types, and it'll be easy for all of us to see these are actually men. Let's start with Serena Williams because of the three cases, I think that hers or his is is a no-brainer. It's very easy to determine that uh, Serena Williams is actually a man. I think the main reason most of us dismissed our natural first impression of Serena Williams and said, wow, that looks like a guy, and the reason we overrode that and decided she was a woman is because she plays an international sport in tennis, and she's competing against very competitive people from, other, from countries all around the world, and they must know she's a man. Why wouldn't they go to the board and say, test her, make sure that she's actually a woman? Um, there doesn't seem to be any real motivation for that. Plus, I believe all these sites of sports test already. This happened uh, years ago. This person named Dr. Renee Richards. It was a man who had a sex change operation, then tried to compete in the world of tennis and wasn't allowed. He tried to compete in the woman's, um, the woman's, in woman's tennis and it wasn't allowed because he was actually born a man. More recently, there's this runner named Castor Samena. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce this person's name. But but he was born or she was born a hermaph- hermaphrodite with both female and male gender body parts, and she has been allowed to compete against other women, even though she looks very much like a man, very masculine, has a male body. I guess the governing body, the athletic governing body for the track and field. Uh, Administer some tests and determine that she could run or he could run against women. And you'd think that that would have happened for Serena Williams, that there would have been some doubt and some tests, and people would have said, you know, that's just a guy out there. Uh, But I want everyone to suspend anything you think you know about these three people, about these three cases, and just look at the evidence being presented to you, these pictures. And see if you see a a, a woman or a man dressed up as a woman or a man who's had a sex change operation and just, just look at it with a fresh mind and a fresh perspective like you know nothing about the subject matter, that you're being introduced to these people for the first time and you can evaluate what their gender is based on what you can see. So again, as we evaluate these pictures, when we're talking about male versus female type body types, we're looking for curves in the female and straight lines in the male. As we see with the hourglass figure of the woman, down from the shoulders through the waist and to the hips, it's a gradual contour hugging the body and going down. You're seeing a curve, not a straight rigid line, not a quick descent, but something that gradually goes into a curvy type body. Then we see with the man, you see the straight lines coming down, forming the triangle. So it's basically the opposite type situation. With the man, you're going to see lines, you're going to see the triangular form, Um, especially if the person's in shape, you know, which all three of these people are, you're going to see this V-shaped body, these, you know, rigid lines as opposed to the gentle curves that you see with a female body. Okay, let's get started with this first picture, Serena, pictured with uh, his or her sister, Venus. Venus's index finger is larger than her ring finger, indicating that she is most likely a woman, a 97% chance that she's a woman, um, you can see here with the picture, uh, Venus has the more feminine body as well. If you look at Serena, she has that angular uh, V-type shape of the male. She has the more ripped stomach, even though you can see that she is the person that probably has the higher level of body fat issues. Uh, Venus is a very skinny type bo- body type. Seems like she'd have trouble keeping weight on, whereas Serena has the more ripped stomach, even though she has more body fat Again, if you just look at, at, at Serena's body, that's, that looks like a male's body. It could easily be like a linebacker or a running back in the NFL, a very ripped, muscular male-type body. There are lots and lots of pictures like this on the Internet. Uh, Serena does not pose with her shoulders squared or feet squared where she's looking directly at the camera so you can see this V shape. Neither do the other two subjects in this video. Sometimes you'll see a shot from the paparazzi. you see a, a random picture. But very seldom, would you see a picture like this, where the subject is looking directly at the camera, you can see the V-type, the V-type shape in the shoulders. All right, here's some pictures of Venus and Serena when they were young. What, what does that look like? Does that look like a, a an older sister and a younger brother? Again, does that look like a little boy and his older sister? Uh, this would mean that there was something going on even back then. Serena looked like a young boy at that time. I mean, if you were seeing this for the first time and you have never seen these these two children before, what do you think? And what do you think of these pictures? Here you are. She is, again, in various settings where she's doing athletic things and she's, her muscles are flexed. What do you see there? Are these male? Are these male muscles? Is this a male body type? As far as I'm concerned, watching Serena play tennis, she runs like a man. She hits like a man. Everything that she does, her facial expressions are those of a man. Uh, all of all of her movements, the the way she moves, the way she carries herself, all look to be, all look like she's a man. I think a lot of my friends and I thought maybe she was on steroids uh, back in the day. I used to actually work in a gym, play. I played a lot of basketball, worked in a gym, but where both men, men and women worked out. You don't see women get this type of muscle definition and and i guess we probably all thought this is a time when a lot of my friends were using steroids steroids a big thing again look at the facial expressions um look at the just the bone structure and the, and, 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 and then and the cheekbones and the jaw and the neck muscles uh, the v-shaped neck muscles going up there on the shoulders um just very masculine i mean everyone can evaluate this for for themselves but as far as i can tell very masculine here's some beach shots uh, there she's she or he is standing directly in front of the camera. Again, not much of a curve type shape, even though she, she's got a lot of weight in the legs. Um, but look, just look at the shoulders. Look at the way the arms are. Look at the, the structure of her body. Again, the back, the V-shaped back. Here's Serena. You see the very male-shaped back, the V shape here. You see the lines, the angular lines, the muscle 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 definition. Uh, here, it is, here she is. or here she, here she is compared to a, a male person. He has um, probably less definition and less angles uh, in terms of the back um, in terms of his back. She, Sabrina has a uh, broader shoulders and, and more of a V-type shape. So even with that, Sabrina's body is more, more masculine than his. Um, here you have uh, Serena compared to a, a woman about the same size. The woman has an hourglass-type figure. Um, again, not the same kind of shoulders. Serena's shoulders, again, the big, broad shoulders. Um, not much of a comparison there. Not much. You would say that, that one person looks definitely very much like a woman, the other like a man. I hear Serena without makeup and the illusion that can be cast. We talked about this. I talked about this throughout the video. What makeup can do. Well, so many things they can do to just cast an illusion. Here's another shot without makeup with a very masculine expression, other masculine expression here. Um, here's a second shot with before and after. Look at the difference with or without makeup. Makeup can so drastically alter one's appearance. It's almost in some ways like a lie if you see the difference of, of a person with or without makeup. Uh, here again is a, is a, a body shot with a, the with big shoulders and arms, the very masculine male body. You're going to evaluate this for yourself. Now, I've followed tennis a little bit. I haven't followed it so much in years, but I think of all of the tennis players I've ever seen,
0: Serena is
3: by far the most muscular tennis player, male or female, that I've ever seen. Can you think of another tennis player that has these types of arms, that has this type of uh, body definition, this type of power? Again, I make a comparison to an NFL running back or linebacker. You just don't see tennis players, male or female, With this type of muscle mass. There are a lot more pictures on the Internet. If you want to do some further evaluation for yourselves, it's more than enough for me. Here, the Williamses with the Reagans again. Serena looking like like a little boy back then in the 80s or 90s. Please, This gentleman's name is Richard Williams. He's the alleged parent of these two girls. I think he's a very seedy person, a person that is, in my mind, very capable of my memory of him very capable of being some guy working for the CIA or some corporate entity as a handler from, for some sort of genetic experimentation. Okay, this is the final picture. The person on your right is the uh, transgender person that was featured on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, I'm not sure of the person's name. It's as a, as a person who was formerly a male and now has had a sex change operation. Uh, so this was a, a man who's been turned into a woman and who is an actress now. And the person on your left is Serena Williams, which looks more like a man. Which of these two people looks like a man who used to be a man and now is a woman? Uh, So, you know, you can evaluate this for yourself. For me, it's a no-brainer. I believe that Serena Williams was born a man. I don't know if she's a man now or they've done some sort of genetic experiment. I don't know what's going on. But as far as I'm concerned, Serena Williams was at least a man and may may be a man still. Okay, let's move on to the next candidate. Of all the three subjects here, uh, Jennifer Anson is probably the most difficult to prove that she was formerly a man or is, is, is still a man now. Um, but I'm going to go through some, some what I think is fairly compelling evidence. It's a little bit more of a reach. And I'm going to present a few of my own interpretations here uh, to, to try to make a case. And, again, just, just look at this with an open mind a pair of fresh eyes, and, and see what you see. Here's a picture, I believe, that was released by Jennifer Aniston and her team as a child photo of her. As you can see from the photo, her uh, index finger appears to be larger than her ring finger, and we've already established that her ring finger is much larger than her index finger as an adult. I don't know what's happened here. It looks a little suspicious that this is an actual little photo that was put out by her publicity team. So I talked a little bit about Janice, for instance, hands being sort of manly and um, not matching her uh, persona and her physique. Her feet as well have been pictured on the Internet. A lot of people have made comments about that. If they look you know, old. oh, does her hands or her feet look much older than she looks? Of course, she's had plastic surgery. But the bottom line is there's something off here. There's something that just isn't right something else that I've noticed that is just a little bit off about Jennifer Aniston I I remember from a a long time ago I know if people have noticed it themselves I am a person with dyslexia and have a different way of viewing things and seeing patterns I've talked about this in other videos and sometimes I just notice idiosyncratic things and I've always noticed that Jennifer Aniston's face didn't move right it's like she's had so much plastic surgery even as a young person that her face just simply didn't uh, move correctly there's some rigidity in her face. I've seen this with other actors and actresses. You see this quite often with people in Hollywood when they've had worked on. There's just something there. It just makes them look inhuman. And she had it at a very young age. Here's some pictures. I guess from an upcoming movie where she's not really wearing makeup. They're making her look sort of as a, a normal person. Um, you can see quite quite a difference from what she normally looks like. Um, and that can kind of give you a sense of disillusion. I've talked about that before. No matter what happens here, no matter what you decide or what's actually the case, it's still they're presenting an illusion. That's what makes this so believable is because either way you're, you're seeing an illusion. You can see how she normally presents herself there on the right and how she's presented this upcoming movie. There's not many pictures of her on the Internet or none that I could find of her volunteering pictures without makeup. This is Jennifer Anson's strip scene from the movie Where the Millers. Like I said before, you don't see many of the subjects in this video posing head-on to the camera. This is a rare shot. At first glance, you might say she looks very much like a woman in this picture. But if you look a little closer, you'll see that she has that V-shape, that sort of angular shape with very broad shoulders she has very broad shoulders even though you wouldn't think so she covers her shoulders up very much with her hair her legs are parted slightly giving the illusion that her hips are wider than they are and there's no real curvature of the waist you can see that a little better here in this photo she's walking on the beach it's not a, a photo she posed for this must be a paparazzi or a random person type picture but again this, there's not much curves there very very broad shoulders the v-shape Um, Her shoulders are much wider than her hips. Again, very much looking like a man-type body, not as muscular as Serena Williams, of course. She's not an athlete. She doesn't work out like that. She's not trying to build muscle mass. But in terms of his or her bone structure, he or she looks very much like a man. Here she's pictured next to a woman who's um, about the same size, wearing similar clothing. You can see there's much more curvature in the woman's hourglass figure. She has much smaller shoulders. Her shoulders are not nearly as broad as Jennifer Aniston's. Now, it's not as uh, d- as drastic a comparison as we saw with Serena Williams, but you can see, if you look really closely, Jennifer Aniston's shoulders are quite broad, and her hips are quite narrow, indicating a male-type body. So you can see from this comparison, Jennifer Aniston looks very much like a man. Here are, f- here are a few more pictures. Here, here she is uh, Looks a lot more masculine than most of her photos on the Internet. Most of the photos on the Internet, she is smiling about 80%, I would say. Her hair is covering up much of, much of her face and her shoulders. Here you see, you know, look looking much more like a boy. Again, a few more pictures here. Sort of a similar uh, look to what Serena Williams has, almost like she, just, she or she just worked out. Has very broad shoulders, a very boy-like body. Again, there's not much of an hourglass figure here. Not much of an hourglass figure in this um, photo as well. Someone who was sort of a beauty queen, someone that people think is voluptuous, very much has a, a boy-like figure. Looks very much like a boy in this picture. I found this photo an article a little bit interesting. Here's uh, Jennifer Aniston going to high school with uh, Chaz Bono, formerly Chastity Bono, the um, son of, I'm sorry, the daughter of uh, Cher and Sonny Bono, who had a sex change and now has become a man. Um, And I found it very interesting that they're they're in high school together, um, and Jennifer Aniston has this other kind of, um, she's got all these other uh, evidence that she might be a transgender person as well. And here's Jennifer next to um, the the man from Canada who became a transgender person um, and tried to compete for the Miss World competition. And, again, very similar, almost identical type bodies here. Um, If you look at them, if you swapped faces, you might not be able to tell the difference. So you can evaluate this for yourself. It's a little bit of a harder case to make, but I think you can see that there is the bone structure of a man here with Jennifer Aniston. And keep in mind, she has the longer ring finger in these man hands that would indicate that in 96% of the cases she would be a man, an extended uh, ring finger not a ring finger that's a little bit bigger than her index finger, but a ring finger that's substantially bigger than her index finger, indicating a presence of a great deal of testosterone at a time when her body was turning into whatever gender it was supposed to be at the time. When the, hand, when the finger bones are growing and the testosterone or estrogen is affecting the growth of the index or the ring finger, the body is turning into a little boy or little girl. So this indicates that there's a great deal of testosterone presence when that was present when that was happening. And keep in mind as we go back to this comparison picture, the man on the right who is competing for the Miss Universe uh, pageant contest or trying to compete for the Miss Universe pageant contest has just been turned into a man, I believe, a few years ago, and used his own personal resources to get that job done, or Jennifer Aniston has been raised as a woman her whole life. We don't know what's going on here, what kind of agency is backing here. We're talking about something that would be a major conspiracy. I mean, it would have to be some bizarre conspiracy that would be even hard to wrap our minds around with unlimited resources, and yet you have a very similar result. Okay, so that's it. This is the evidence for Jennifer Anderson. I find it quite compelling myself. Other people may may have a different opinion, but I believe that all, all three of these women are really men in disguise. There's lots of other videos and articles that present information and evidence that Michelle Obama is actually a man, our First Lady is actually a man. I'm going to present some different information, some different eyesight, and you'll get it in any of these other videos in the upcoming segment here. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the belief that Michelle Obama is a transgender person, that you do this work for a while, answers come to you and you gain insight into things that you probably had very little interest in before. And it's come to me that when Joan Rivers added Michelle Obama as a transgender person, that that wasn't correct, and I'll get to that in just a minute. I think this information is going to be really compelling and interesting for people. But first, to go along with this, I want to show a short clip of a video. Michelle Obama has a, a, a movement campaign. I, I think it's a, Let's Move America or something like that. Here she is with the Miami, playing a little basketball, doing a little promo for her campaign.
4: How make you, without athlete?
3: Oh. I saw this video clip about a year ago, and I was a little bit stunned by the masculine energy that she displayed in it. Uh, The presidency, to me, is now kind of a joke, a puppet position, so um, I don't hold much much reverence for it, but I was stunned by that a first lady would be acting like that and how much she was one of the guys. From my days of playing basketball, there's a lot of just talking smack and, and being, like, boastful, I guess, is a way to describe it. And she's clearly being a guy in this video has guy energy, likes to be a guy, and when I remembered this video, I said, well, she's really not a transgender person, because a transgender person, a transvestite, a transsexual person, is a person born as a man who desperately craves to be a woman. You'll often see these big, tough, burly guys who like to dress up as women and they love to be delicate. They love feminine things. They value femininity. Any of these transgender people, these transsexuals, they love to be a woman more than most women love to be women. They crave to be a woman. They They crave to act in a feminine way. Michelle Obama is a feminist. She's a tough person. She's masculine in the way she walks, in the way she dresses. She's got masculine energy. She doesn't craved to be a woman she's not some man who was some person who was born a man and craved desperately to be a woman she either still a man who's dressing up like a woman or there's something else going on here and i think that there probably is something else going on here because i'm finding that there are lots of women now in hollywood these iconic figures who have a high male uh 2d 4d ratio their 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 ring finger is a lot bigger than their index finger i'll show you some more evidence of this just a little bit further along in the video but for me it means that there's probably a larger conspiracy at at play here and and it probably has to do something to do with genetic manipulation to large sections of the american population just a couple more pieces of evidence here no baby pictures of the obama children on the internet the obamas are very big on publicity Um, they post a lot of other photos of their two daughters Uh, Barack, I believe, was a a senator when the second uh, baby was born. Malia, I believe her name is. And um, there's no pictures of Michelle being pregnant. And I found that to be very odd. And, you know, it wouldn't be that hard for them to throw in some sort of prosthetics and make her look pregnant. Um, So I don't know. These babies would just have to be adopted. I don't know um, what all that means. But they could easily put some Photoshop photos out there or maybe they just have too many things. Many other holes in their story they have to cover all the time. I don't know what's up with that. And there are a lot of rumors about Obama being gay. Again, this happens probably with all politicians. But there are people that came forward saying they saw Obama in a in a, um, a, a gay club in Chicago. A, a lot of uh, respected writers, uh, Wade Matson among them have done articles about this um, Obama being a part of this c- the gay community in Chicago, so that also is a piece of evidence that adds to this overall story here it's it, it's, it's a cumulative it's building up like a snowball aside from all that it's just that Michelle Obama acts and, and looks like a guy she just looks like a dude out there I mean uh, going back to that basketball video again. <laughs> has a lot of masculine energy, she moves like a man, she carries herself like a man, she has male posture, she has the broad shoulders, again, the V-shape uh, body type, just like the other two. She's the most masculine of all three of these subjects. Her facial structure, her bone structure, is very masculine as well. Uh, in lots of ways, her team isn't trying to hide her masculinity. You see it time and time again, the exposure in the shoulders. There's the V-shape in this photo you just see that's a male body that's a dude up there to see the way the the arms are here the muscular uh the muscular arms just the um the, the whole body type the whole physique the whole way she's presenting herself time and time again you see this it just looks like a man she looks like a man out there the only reason we don't believe that she's a man is because they they tell us that she's not one as you were, just say hey that's a man you would you would just instinctually know that's a man because of the movement you take away the makeup you take away all of the illusion again we already know she has a massive um, probably the biggest ring finger of all three subjects in terms of the, the ratio between her ring finger and the index finger so I had more testosterone than when she was when her body was changing into to being a little boy in, in utero um, so again I don't know what's going on here because there's a lot more evidence that I don't really understand in terms of what they've done, but Michelle Obama certainly appears to be a man by all measurable standards. All right, here's the final piece here. There is the, um, on the left is the transvestite person featured in Time magazine, and she's on that television show looking much more like a woman than Michelle Obama. Again, there's Michelle Obama's shoulders. She has even more broad shoulders than this, this man who's been made a transvestite. Very recently, I believe, uh, has been made into a transgender person, ch- changed into a, a woman. And you can just see the difference there, which person looks like the transvestite and which person looks more like the real woman. So uh, the evidence is just is overwhelming, I think, in Michelle Obama's case. She just looks like a man. It just looks like a dude out there, just the way she carries herself, her posture. She doesn't embrace any of the feminine characteristics or even act, try to act in a way that would um, indicate that she, she she values femininity and wants to act like a woman. Now I want to get into the why. What's the motivation behind something that seems so uh, unnecessary? Well, why would people put so much energy and effort into something like this, starting at a young age, some complex psychological operation, uh, some sort of grand illusion. For most of us, this seems completely unnecessary, and therefore it becomes unbelievable, something that we cannot believe could actually happen, because there has to be a motivation, there has to be a reason. This isn't some random-type situation. If it was just one person, if Michelle Obama somehow eked her away past Um, the powers that be and was able to pose as a man and no one caught her. Uh, It would be, you know, maybe possibly believable, but I don't think very few many people would even believe in that. But what about a whole set of women that are in positions of, uh, notoriety or positions where people are viewing them all the time and they were actually born men or or something else. I mean, I don't know exactly what they're doing here, but what would be the motivation for something on that scale? It just doesn't make sense to most of us. I want to start off with something that I talk about in a lot of my videos. In fact, um, I'm in the middle of a series on the United Nations and my next video on this subject is going to be about this subject, which is good and evil. A lot of people who are science people, who are in the cause and effect uh, camp of viewing things, don't don't belong, believe in the esoteric, the etherical world, in spirituality, or at least in religion, and don't believe that there's these alternate forces that govern our existence, not just in terms of good and evil or God or whatever, but there's lots of etheric forces, energetic forces that are beyond our scientific instrumentation. And we can see them all around us. But if we just look at what's in our literature, what's in our mythology, what's in our movies, what's in all of our stories, the stories that make up our cultures all around the world, good and evil is always a present uh, is always present in all of this lore and all of our stories, especially now in the modern day era. And we're in a situation now, if you look at all this Illuminati and satanic symbolism that's available, that's out there, like the Illuminati is now a mainstream idea. People talk about the Illuminati, people, uneducated people. This is no longer a secret organization, this is no longer something that's hidden. Uh, Satanism—it's just right out there. We see all these, um, all this uh, symbolism, um, all of these objects appearing in pop culture, videos, uh, in corporate logos. They're just so present all around us, and very few people. If you talk about the Illuminati, will say, "I don't know what you're talking about." So, how is this a secret organization? Satanism again. And there are times in, in human history where one force or the other will more, we'll more often dominate in the case of evil or spread through love in the case of good, and it'll be more prevalent. That force will be more prevalent. People's tendencies will be uh, pulled out. Their good tendencies will be more um, available to them when they are in a time of good, a time where people around them are good, everyone's in harmony with nature, People are aware of the God within them, connected with the God within them. And there are times when our uh, collectively we go over to the dark side. This is a cyclical thing. And uh, people in India, many of them believe in these yugas, uh, periods of history where uh, one type of energy is more prevalent than another. And we're now in in what's called the Kali Kali Yuga, which is a uh, time more of destruction. And you see this now. I mean, a lot of times we'll go to a movie and the movie will be horrible. It could be a horror movie. I mean, why are they even horror movies? Why are we making horror movies, these horrible movies where people are being gutted and and killed and people sit in the the theater and just are uh, completely terrified? I talk about this extensively in, in this upcoming video. I don't want to cover it here. But we see this now, this movie Maleficent, where it's a children's movie. And the hero, the hero in this movie, the protagonist, is basically a villain, a devil-like villain. So you see this time and time again now, um, where things are being, uh, where uh, things are being inverted. So in, in the satanic community, you see things being inverted all the time, turned upside down, upside down crosses, upside down pentagram. It's a way uh, a perversion of the divine. Uh, Satan, uh, Satanism is really not so much about worshiping the devil. I think people think it's about devil worship. It's really about not worshiping God. It's about, um, uh, there's, a, there's a line from Satanism, uh, there, there is no God but thyself. So there's this idea, and this, I'm this. i going to talk about this more in this, these other videos as well. But I, I come back to this in all of my videos. What they're really trying to do here. The most important thing that the forces that run our our world right now, dark forces, dark people, people that are um, selfishly motivated, that are disconnected from the God within themselves, they want to disconnect everybody from the God within themselves. They want a loveless society, a godless society, a society where they rule, where they themselves are the gods. The politicians that run our world, the the bankers that run our world, the families, the wealthy families that run our world, want to be gods. They want to usurp the position of God, and we see that all around us. There's a variety of different methods and different systems that the ruling class, the so-called oligarchs, use to keep their slaves in line. And there's two uh, streams of thought out there. One is uh, put forth by George Orwell in the book 1984, the other one by Aldous Huxley in A Brave New World. And they're sort of competing ideas. In Orwell's 1984, it was brute force and fear, just making people believe whatever they want, darkness, and just complete control, complete uh, paranoia, complete violence. And it's like in the subject matter we're talking about, it would be saying, yes, these are not men, these are women. And making us believe that these people that are um, right in front of us out of our own fear, we can see that they are, in fact, men posing as women, but we were told what to believe, and if we don't go along with it, we'll be beaten, we'll be killed, we'll be ostracized, we'll be tortured, so we go along with it. So that would be their method. The other method, the method put forth by Aldous Huxley, the author of the Brave, A Brave New World, in a speech he gave in 1962, he said this, we are in a process of developing a whole series of techniques which will enable the controlling oligarchy who have always existed and presumably, presumably will always exist to get people to love their servitude. So, that, so his method is to get people to love their slavery, which we see very much so today. Um, Black Friday, people running and fighting for TVs, that suppress their mental cap- capabilities, put them in a drug-like stupor, um, people fighting for the things that they enslave them, using our sensory stimulation, using pleasure, using pornography, um, using our desires to pull us away from the divinity within us. Where George Orwell will use force to beat the divinity, with, you know, to, to beat us away and have us be people that are in fear and paranoid and weak and sickly. Um, And completely hopeless and in despair, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World lured people away from the divinity within them by using drugs, by crushing their ability to have relationships, Um, not crushing, but coercing them away from their ability to have relationships. There was no monogamous relationships in a Brave New World. There was no parents. There were no families. It was very much like what we call transhumanism today, where machines and people merge together together. Babies were raised by machines. machine, T- test two babies were brought up and raised by machines for specific tasks, for sp- specific slave training, and using drugs and pleasure to make them enjoy their lives and, and not recognize their living loveless existences. They're, 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 they're cut off from their spiritual wealth, from the love that's within them, and we see this today. It's an unfortunate fact of our modern world that our families have been destroyed that the role of the woman, the role of the mother, is, has been de- demeaned. It has been destroyed. The role of the mother in any civilization, and any culture, is the most important role. A mother's love is a specific gift. It's a specific need that all children uh, thrive upon. It connects them to the God within them. It connects them to the natural world around them. The mother's love is God, in a sense it's a godly love I and mean, when children grow up experiencing this love experiencing the love of the mother they love the planet they love their mother they love the god within them and most of all they love themselves and especially if they have a good family unit around them a village a village family unit a good father They're growing up in a wholesome natural conditions around them, not in some city or some suburb. They're not bombarded by electrical stimulation and and, uh, uh, rampant materialism, out-of-control materialism, and it distracts them. And they become desire-based people. They become little consumers, and that's what we see happening today. And the role of the mother has been dwindling away for a number of years. Part of it is to do with feminism, but mostly it has to do with the economic system, and women fi- women being taught, young women being taught that their uh, lives aren't valuable as mothers. The role of the mother isn't all that valuable. You also have to earn money. you have to have a successful career, because being a mother isn't enough. when the role of the mother becomes obliterated in this fashion. Children don't get what they need. They don't get the love they need. They don't get to develop the connection with the God within them that they need. They don't feel safe. They have a void within them. They have a hole within them. They have a craving for something. And the only thing available to fill it is material goods, video games and toys and, and material possessions. And they become these little consumers, and everything degenerates from there. Each succeeding generation loses more and more contact with the God within them. They lose the ability to love themselves. They lose the ability to understand what being a natural human being is, to live in a natural family. And this is, brings us to the why. This brings us why that they're rolling out a man as the first lady and all of these women um, in various uh, high-profile positions. Now, here are some pictures. I found of women who, um, are, again, I don't have a TV. I really don't know all that much about pop culture anymore, um, and so some of these in my memory is like gone. But almost every person, every woman I could think of um, that is a pop culture icon has a ring finger longer than the index finger. Uh, ironically, Lady Gaga was one of the few that had a had a clear. Uh, a ratio where the index finger was a female ratio where the index finger was quite substantially bigger, bigger than the ring finger. But most of the other famous women, women who are seen every day, who are looked up up to by um, people in the private sector, and especially children and young women, and desired by men, have some sort of testosterone thing going on here. They're either genetically modified, I don't know what's going on here but they have some, something's off here, something's wrong here. Keep in mind what I said earlier in this video, that only 3 per, three or 4% of women have a male ratio where their ring finger is a slightly bigger than their index finger. And yet all of these women, I would say 80 to 90% of famous women actually had an index finger that was smaller than their ring finger and often substantially smaller. So what's going on here? And it only should be three or four percent, as far as I can tell, It's anywhere between 60 and 90 percent of these famous women, these iconic women, women who are household names, of, you know hold a high position in the pop culture world, have this male ratio. Their uh, ring fingers are quite substantially bigger than their index fingers. So this is just some preliminary research that I've done. You guys can do your own research, but I think you'll probably find basically the same thing. This is a statistical anomaly. This just shouldn't happen. when it's supposed to be three percent it's upwards of 60%. But the people that control our world are getting something out of this. They are able to more control their slaves. And they are warping the world. They're, they're recreating the world. They're making an abomination of the natural world and recreating it into something that's more like themselves, an abomination of the natural principles. They're turning men into women. They're destroying the sacred feminine. They're destroying this idea of the the, the earth mother, the the goddess, the earth goddess. They're destroying the the connection with the divinity within them. They're making people loveless. And you have all these young women who don't have a connection with their mother. They're not taught about the natural world. They don't have the natural inclinations and feeling within themselves. And they are looking up to these pop culture figures uh, as role models, as people to that they, they, they exemplify, and they're actually men posing as women or they're women who have extra, uh, uh, and extra levels of testosterone, whatever's going on here, um, they're more manly in nature. And you have the young men who look at these women who get sexualized to these pop culture icons. They desire them. They grow up thinking these are their ideal mates. And they're looking at she-men, they're looking at women with masculine characteristics. And you see these young men who are so often effeminized by the phytoestrogens out there from the plastics and all these pollutants, the BPA and all this stuff. And so they're becoming more effeminized, they're losing their um, role models and how to be a man and how to act like a natural man, and women are being... um, taught just the opposite, they're being taught to be more manly, um, and so you're having this inversion of our whole society, again, the satanic idea of inverting everything, of turning into abomination, to mock God, to mock the natural world, cut everything off from the from the natural rules that that govern the universe, I write about this quite extensively in my book, "The Choice," not about this specific subject matter that 's presented in this video because this is a new thing. But you see this principle over and over playing itself out, and here it is playing itself out with the first lady being a man it 's a little stunning at first and a little far-fetched for few people to believe, but that's because I think most of us don't know how far gone we are from our natural inclinations, uh, how far gone we are from being natural people, and it only seems to be going in a dark direction, at least for the immediate future, but there's always hope. There's always hope for us. If we can reconnect with the love within us, we can reconnect with the natural world around us, and we can reclaim our natural abilities and break away from this oppressive Demonic energy that now governs our material existence
1: so you wonder what the Jesuits were about? you wonder about the papacy uh mystery Babylon, what its real agenda is about? We wonder about their unholy alliance with the tematic apostate Jews who hate God and want to be God? Do you see this whole satanic system? What its ultimate goal is the total and absolute destruction plus
2: That's what it is And
1: that's what we're witnessing. So, anyways, now we're going to listen to this next uh, uh, video, the audio of this video. Uh, Full House, Illuminati, Satanic rituals, Olson, Saget, Stamos, and Jenner. <laughs> this guy has great insights, and by the way, I think he's right about this stuff. It's hard to, to really accept it and embrace it. You go, no, it can't be. Nah, it can't be. But she is progressively conditioning us over the years, especially a guy like me. I'm close to 50 now. whole lifetime of these images being raised on the television, being raised by, the, uh, in this superficial life, this life in front of a computer or a television being entertained, uh, movies, whatever, video games, um, living in a box. Everything's really nicely yeah, gridded out. In the streets, your home. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you don't realize it, but you're a slave. Now you might not believe that, but if you're someone like me, I live in suburbia. I look out the window right now, and there's grass. You couldn't eat if you wanted to. All the plants around me either are poisonous or have barbs, thorns, and nothing you could eat. Most of them either be poison you or just unedible. Still, there's God's creation: the oak trees and the uh, maple trees and all that. But how many of you know you know how to prepare an acorn? <laughs> I look up in the air and I look at the fake clouds and the blinds and how that's been going on forever. Everything is art is becoming artificial. everything's becoming dehumanized everything is about taking away God, and are the guise of that life has become more convenient. And it started out that way, but they knew what it was all about. Yes, the Fabian Socialists, the Luciferians, and all the many other groups, the Freemasons, the Jesuits, the uh, OTO, whatever, the ruling elite, what makes them ruling an elite? Well, the serpent gets their power, the prince of this world is Satan, you reject God, you've got talent, you got ability, you you connect with this satanic system, uh, this dehumanizing system, uh, you compromise yourself, you become this thing that loves money more than reality. It's tragic, it really is tragic, because you know I'm only now starting to wake up to my reality. What I'm, I know I've been miserable. I know I've been unhappy. I know things. I never could understand why life is the way it is. I've been totally, you know, I've been. Con, I was convinced by others that oh, you're playing the victim role, or it's your problem, or you need to do this, this or that. And you know what? I don't want to play their games. I don't. And but we, we're we're enslaved mentally, spiritually, physically. You say, "Oh, well, I'm not." Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you got a decent job. Maybe you got a beautiful wife. Maybe You got kids in the house. Be honest about it for a while. And the fact of the matter is, while we live in this world. This, under this satanic matrix this, of lies and deception, we're going to be slaves. And the only hope we actually have, I've come to realize, is having a faith in God, the need for a savior, the recognition that you are a sinner, that you are full of lies, full of mistakes, full of deception, even when you get past the things like whether you stole something from somebody or you did this or that. If you listen to this show, you're going to realize, man, I'm full of deception. How much of that deception am I sharing with others? How important is it to throw out that television? Unfortunately, we're in a situation... For me to share this show with anybody, I have to use the Internet. The Internet is actually a tool, as we've learned, of enslaving us, tracking us, identifying those of us who have even an inkling left of the Spirit of God in And I'm sure at some point They'll use that for whatever what means they will, how they will go about it. We don't know. But it ain't going to be good.
2: So anyways, you know,
1: this world does suck. Life kind of sucks. But we'll make the most of it. And... um I personally find the only thing that that works at this point is my faith in Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, if you want. But um, whatever works for you. You know, I tried everything else, so I've already heard it all. (laughs) I'm 50 50 years old almost. I'm 47. 47 and a half, I guess. And, uh, you know, I didn't even bleed a couple, until a couple of years ago. After I fell on my face, and opened up the Bible and said, okay, what should I do? Uh, I know an awful lot about how the world is, how it works, and it's all bad. And no matter how high that hard, I try to convince myself, manipulate myself, it is okay, and I just need to make the most of it. Somehow, fix myself. Somehow, fix the world by own my own means, being my own god. Well, I just didn't work like millions and billions of others. This present time, and the billions past. Maybe the billions in the have time in the future depending on whether uh, God uses uh, the satanic system, the papacy, uh, this new world order, the UN, these corrupt governments, corrupt individuals and entities, uh, whether he's a tool for judgment now or later. At some point, a lot of us are going to be removed from this prison. That's the way it is you might say, well, you sound a bit self-defeated. You sound like a self-defeatist. Well, I don't really care what you think I sound like at this point. (laughs) Not to be disrespectful to anybody who's listening to this show, or will. The fact of the matter is, I'm being honest. If you study history, you've really studied history. Just study the past 50 years, past 100 years. Keep going back. It's the same old tired stories. This time around, this generation will make things better. Have we? The only thing that progress means in this world is progressing to sin, self destruction, destruction of ourselves. And while people worship the creation, and so the Creator. Look what the results are. Have things gotten better with this great enlightenment, this illumination? Has it really? Has it? Can you honestly say that? The only way you can say that is by being deliberately ignorant and denial of what's around you.
2: Things aren't getting better, folks. We're living in a ticking
1: time bomb. And our God loved us so much that he gave us a great gift, eternal life, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Son of God, the only begotten, Yours and my Messiah
2: That's the way it is, and most of us will reject this gift. It is too simple.
1: It's not satisfactory based on our blindness of reality. cluelessness of what our world is really about we still think that we are clever and smart we still think that uh, we have by our own will the ability
2: to change the course the future of mankind
1: I don't think we have any clue what we're really going against, what we're up against. Now, that's the reason why I keep on bringing up all this but seemingly negative stuff, because this is your world, the real world. The world that they want you to have. Why it's so important to abandon this uh, weapon called Television why it's, you know, if you're going to use this military weapon called the Internet, the web, that you better make a wise decision of why you're going to use it for why you're using it. Are you willing to uh, accept the consequences, take responsibility for it? Because the truth of the matter is
2: the the Internet is another military weapon under this uh,
1: New World Order. With his head, the head of the serpent, the spider of the web, is found in Rome. And all those tentacles that reach throughout the whole world. If you're going to be on the internet, what are you going to use it for? Now, if you use it for the righteous reasons, and you want to know the truth, you want to know your reality, it's there. They've given it to you. They also give you a trap for that, too, though. So, probably use that to, uh, further, as a tool for inquisition to gather us up one way or the other. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not preaching. It's fear mongering, it's just reality there are circumstances of such that they, as you keep on hearing on the show, there's so few of us that really care to know the truth, want to know the truth. Most people will find it offensive, negative, that you're a conspiracy theorist, that you're nuts. you see? Although in the movie, and with the 1984. It looked a little different, but you remember there was the air constraint to a movie set. The real 1984, you and I are living right now, transitioning into a brave new world. This Satan's plan. I don't think God was kidding me. He said there don't to be a remnant left. And it won't be about a church. It'll simply be about people who care enough to know Him and know their, their, their reality. And are willing to pay the price necessary to know Him. How far humanity is really gone, we... Most of us don't even have a clue. In fact, if I'm honest about myself, I'm only now waking up to it myself. (laughs) I had no idea. I knew Hollywood was full of uh, self-absorbed, egotistical people. But I had no idea how wicked it actually is. I had no idea how wicked governments are, political systems. No exceptions. I had no idea how wicked most, well, most all religious systems are. I had no idea. I knew corporate America sucked, but I had no idea how bad it was. I had no idea how bad people are without God. They really are. Oh, no, you're negative. No, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. push, push push comes shove, you'll we'll all see the truth. Just as the people in Western Europe, Eurasia did in World War Two. What the people in the Middle East are experiencing
2: right now. But we're
1: exempt from that because we're America. We're chattel for the corporation the United States, or the United States of America, depending on how you want to look at it. what
2: it's pretty quite sad.
1: You think that we spend so much time being polluted, entertained. One might want to look up that meaning: entertained, entertainment, our lies basically raised by these people, half of them turned out to be transsexuals, transvestites, homosexuals, sodomites, Satan worshippers, demon-obsessed fools. That's where our teachers, just like all the hours I spent watching television, thinking I was really one of those awake, conscious people, you know, watching MSNBC and CNN and Nova and Dateline and, and History Channel, and uh, interested in, in politics and what type of the world's what's going on in the world. Oh yeah, I understood the world. I really did. I thought, you know, yeah. I had no idea. Hey, you know what? The truth of the matter is, the more I look at it, I'm honest. It wasn't. I never. The truth never really started opening up to me until I fell on my face and begged for faith in Jesus Christ, and then I begged for mercy from God, and I do it all the time. That is basically my prayer. <laughs> Have mercy on me. By the way, I guess it it hasn't been on for a while, but uh, Pastor George Middleton Jr. is having health issues and, and pet issues, and he asks for his prayer, So if you could think about him, that would be great. Anyways, we're going to now go to the next part of this journey. And I think it really is important that we... Uh that we totally and utterly destroy our idolatry, our faith. I don't think we realize how idolatrous we are. It's easy to call, you know, the, the Catholic, idolatrous. I Maybe mean, it is. Darn! Turns out we all were. This Jesuitical system—they made it so that everybody is. Isn't it a case? Self-righteous fools. At least that's how it's been for me and most people I know. So, anyways, let's listen about this uh, once again. Full House, Illuminati, Satanic rituals. Olson, Saget, Stamos, Jenner. I don't know what I'm going to talk. I mistitled this show, so I'll figure it out later. So, All right, here we go. <laughs>
3: making videos, I'll be doing research, pulling screenshots and just looking around the internet and I'll often come across a, a headline or an image and I'll be pulled to it, I'll be drawn to it, I'll catch my attention and there'll be something there, I'll just get this sense. This is where I talk about being guided from within, talking about allowing the, the divinity within you to guide you on a path. This happens in both positive and negative ways. In either case, the feeling's the same. You're pulled. You're drawn to something, and there's something there for you to see. It could be for you in your personal life. In this case, it usually has to do with me making more videos. So I'll see something, and there will just be be this feeling, oh, you got to look into this. So you don't know how many of the videos that I've made have come through this kind of feeling, this kind of intuition, and it happened about a month ago. I was pulling some screenshots, shots, and I saw this picture of the Olsen twins it might be an article about this upcoming reunion show of the full full house Um, I don't know what it was but I saw this picture of these Olsen girls and I was like oh my god look at them they're like vampires I mean they look like they're 60 years old like the life's been sucked out of them they don't even look human this horrible horrible picture and I said there's got to be something here I looked into it and they're only 29 years old. They're like 29 years old. They're not even 30 years old. And they look like these vampire handmaidens. Um, it's just horrible. And so I looked into it a little bit, and I realized, oh, this is, there's, a, there's a video here. There's something here to pursue. And then right after that, I made what ended up being the first in a series of Bruce Jenner videos. And this, that thing just sort of exploded. And I kept on wanting to make this uh, Olsen twin video, but something else would come up. And I was doing research about this, the Full House reunion, the Full House show. And, and at some point I realized every other video I've made since then, all these videos about Bruce Jenner. In fact, there's this unbelievable twist that I'll cover towards the end of this video about how this Full House reunion show and the Full House is totally tied into this Bruce Jenner thing. And all these other videos I've made, and even Jon Stewart, all these things I've made since then, the past month. I made a lot of celebrity-oriented videos, and they're all tied into this Full House thing. It's it's kind of blown me away how much that initial um, that initial investigation into this, this thing. It was just going to be a short video about the Olsen twins and how uh, they just look like they're... You know, they're part of this ritualistic sacrifice. They There's some sort of, um, well, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But it, there's so much more here. This Full House stuff, it's just, it, it looks like completely tied into this satanic uh, ritualistic abuse, all this stuff about transhumanism. Uh, there's just so much here, so I'm going to get into that. So I'm going to start off by saying the show, the show Full House, I think a lot of people just naturally assumed it came from the devil because it was just so horrifically bad. This was a time, I think, in the late 90s that I was giving up my TV. I stopped watching TV. I grew up in a TV household. My parents had the TV on full time, and I had whatever kind of TV addiction you have coming out of that. And I gave up the TV in my life a number of different times where I didn't have a TV in the house at all. And I was, at that point, I was working in the human service field with children and they were always watching these types of shows, Full House, um, Saved by the Bell, and there was just something really evil about all these shows. Of course, I didn't know anything about the Illuminati or Satan, Satanism at that time, but I always just thought these shows have got to be something wrong with them because nobody could make something this bad on purpose unless there was some evil intent. I mean, the shows felt evil, just horrible, horrible shows. And also at that time, in the, the 90s when I was started working in the human services field, the uh, Olsen twins started making movies and they were really bad actors and the movies were really, really bad. And the kids I worked with, specifically the young kids, always were watching these shows, really just torturous shows. And I think the Olsen twins were like worth a billion dollars. They were a billion dollar commodity. I mean, all these horrible shows that they made at that point. And I didn't pay much attention to them, and I've seen them in and out of the news. I know they've had some issues, some health issues, and uh, anorexia and Lyme and things like that. But I saw this picture of them, and they look completely like vampires. As it turned out, that this show, Full House, is completely evil and completely tied to all the stuff that's going on now, like I said earlier. And the Olsen twins were a product of these, uh, where they really get children involved, the young in this, say, these these Hollywood celebrities. They started off as babies. Um, Basically, they they said that they would use twins in uh, baby shots because babies could only be filmed for a certain amount of time. So they would hire twin babies to basically play the same character. So whenever you see a baby on TV, it's usually a twin. But there's actually something else going on here because twins just are a huge part of the satanic, the illuminati, the Freemasonic, uh, symbolism uh, there's twin towers you know the twin pillars of, of the free masonic symbols they're known as boaz and Jachin, of solomon's temple and these two twin pillars are pictured throughout the world in ancient structures there's just something about these twin pillars and these twin towers of course the world trade center represents Jachin and boaz as well so you have this this um you see this throughout, it's a very powerful symbol within the Freemasonic uh, symbolism as well as Illuminati and other occult organizations throughout history. And you see the use of twin people, twins, are used quite often. So I think that this idea of that they're trying to save the babies from being on the camera too much, as being some rule. Of course, who writes the rules? These satanic people that don't care about babies, they don't care about anybody. So these, this, the use of twins young babies uh, in these TV shows, these satanic-oriented TV shows, is, I think, a very common occurrence. And then you'll see the use of twins in satanic and demonic and Illuminati rituals. So when we look at these, the Olsen twins, they just look like twin vampires or they're some sort of satanic handmaidens. They just look like the life has been sucked out of them. They're always pictured now. You can see that they're always pictured and dark makeup, um, this sort of uh, just uh, gothic type makeup. They look depressed and uh, just miserable young women, just horribly mistreated young women in some way. You see, this is a very common occurrence. They do this over and over again uh, with these young TV stars, these, these children TV stars. You see it, you can use the example of Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus. They start them off in these Disney programs and there's semi normal kids that push the envelope a little bit. There's nothing too offensive in the shows at first. But as time goes by you see this these like with Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus, they start becoming more and more sexualized at an inappropriately young age. See this as well with Disney movies, anything that has a franchise where they'd have like Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3. With each, additional, uh, with each additional movie, they push the envelope a little bit more. And then you see these, in terms of these child stars with Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus, and you, see this, you can see this also with the Olsen twins, they start off being fairly normal, and then they just become more and more sexualized, more sexually inappropriate behaviors until they become really, really slutty. So what they're doing here, I talk about grooming quite a bit in a lot of my videos where they start off with with the sex offender starts off with an inappropriate act that isn't so offensive. And they slowly, over time, it's a series of more and more invasive steps until they get to the desired result. So you see this here. They slowly start sexualizing these young women and, and to some extent, the young men that watch these shows. And they identify with Britney Spears. They they identify with Miley Cyrus. You'll see this across the board. There's always some little teenage um, person that's an icon now with Justin Bieber as well, someone like that. And there's a group of eighth-grade kids, seventh-grade kids, and maybe, you know, three or four years a group of three or four years of preteen and teenage kids that will grow up on one specific icon, one specific teenage star, and they'll identify with this person and grow up with this person. They're sort of their icon, their flagship. And this person this person starts deteriorating mentally. They'll have problems with the law. They'll have accidents. They 'll be acting out all these sorts of things that you see with all these young celebrities. it's all programmed it 's all scripted, and it 's a way for for them to um, get inside the internal world of the children growing up with this this icon, with this celebrity, someone that they put posters up on their wall, someone they look up to, and so they start seeing themselves as this person, and they specifically do it with young women. They become more and more slutty. They become more and more degraded. And as they, and in this case with the Olsen twins, they turn into these vampire princesses, these these, these, these satanic princesses, these dark, uh, you know, these dark beings. And so, when kids grow up on that, they start seeing themselves through the the way these celebrities are acting. Again, this idea of grooming. So they are slowly being brought over to the dark side through this celebrity identification. And so much now is, is about for young young kids is about identifying with celebrities. So you can see how these Olsen twins have been used and this whole idea again going back to the towers, these pillars, it's biblical, it's also in all these other cultures around the world, these towers represent so much. So these having these twin girls be there. So all these these young these young kids that grew up on Full House and grew up on the Olsen Twins, they identify with these two
4: these two beings that have
3: become almost like vampirish in nature. Some of the pictures are like, oh my God, it looks like they just came from some baby eating baby eating sat- satanic ritual. So it seems that one of the Olsen twins has married Oliver Sarko- Sarkozy, the brother of the half brother of the former Prime Minister of France. Nicholas Sarkozy so again you see these uh, brothers I talked about John Stewart and his older brother who was the CEO of the New York Stock Exchange and then of course there's Rahm Emanuel and his brothers are power players we know about George and Jeb Bush you see this quite often where they're trying to get families involved and they're always connected there's usually one who's involved in finance the other one will be in politics so they have a way of sort of uh, distributing resources and keeping them, uh, the whole family involved and, and 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 connected, and that sort of thing. And this guy, this, these pictures of this this, um, uh, Oliver Sarkozy and the Olsen twin that he married, just really creepy. It's the epitome of what it looks like to be some sort of devilish handler, and his uh, his uh, beta kitten sex slave. I mean, when you look at these, it's just really really creepy of course he's much older than this girl girls had their life force sucked out of them uh, being involved in this satanic show from a very young age so that was about the video I was originally going to make that the stuff I just covered is originally I thought all there was I wasn't going to go into anything about full house but I came across a few little details about full house and I did a little bit of investigation of course there's just a ton more and it really illustrates how they groom people and how they bring them in because it starts off with these young girls and then turning them into these sort of slutty older girls and these promiscuous young women and then the, the women who are young women who are watching them and identifying with them and the young men who are being sexualized to these girls who are growing up and saying these are what girls are supposed to represent are really being trained to demean and not be aware of the sacred feminine, you know, a really good woman, a really good mother, someone who's going to be faithful to to her husband and raise young children in a faithful, hardworking way. Instead, they're being sexualized to these demonic sort of slutty uh, uh, vampire princesses. So
4: this is um,
3: just just how they, they begin this grooming process. Now, I don't know if how many of you have watched this woman, uh, Kay Griggs. She's married to uh, George Griggs. He was a former colonel, of uh, a Marine colonel in charge of psychological operations for the for the military. And she just spills her guts. I don't know why you've probably seen this interview. I avoided it. I saw it up there. It kept on appearing on my sidebar. and People recommended it. I just didn't have time to watch it. But she is just a real – she seems like an incredibly sincere person. She, it's been documented that she was married to this guy, and she just basically rats out all of these people, talks about the homosexual nature of the military, these ritualistic abuse. She talks about the skull and bones, and her husband went to Princeton, and there's a similar organization there. Where um, and She talks about how within the Army, she calls them Cherry Marines, uh, within the, um, the the Navy and the Marines, she talks about how they are promoted more quickly if they engage in this ritualistic homosexual behavior, um, all of this kind of stuff that we've seen time and time again. This, she did this interview, I believe, in the 90s, um, and so this has been sitting around there for a while. She did it with a reverend. She just seems like a really sincere Christian woman who's just, uh was married to this really abusive guy, and she basically took notes and found out everything she could. And then she did this interview. I guess her life was threatened. Um, she was harassed, a lot of different things. Well worth watching. Of course, she corroborates this stuff about Bohemian Grove as well, where there's just all this transvestite and, and, and uh, homosexual behavior that goes on there. And how this ties into Full House and the stuff with the Olsen twins is, Kay Griggs says something about how that they started off by – bringing in women like strippers and hookers and things like that, really loose women, and got these guys, you know, really drunk, using drugs, you know, degraded-type behaviors, you know, not with um, the dark end of heterosexuality. And then they bring them into the dark end of homosexuality. Again, you have this idea of grooming. So we see this with Full House as well. So you have these Olsen twins who are being sexualized, these young girls, inappropriate, you know, the stuff that's basically a form of pedophilia. And these young girls are are being sexualized at an inappropriate age, and all the young children who are watching this show are being sexualized at an inappropriate age. And then they bring in the next level. This often happens with sexual abuse. They'll start off with a pedosexual-type magazine, say, in the grooming process. The sex offender will show the children heterosexual-type Playboy magazines and then move into homosexual-type magazines, uh, inappropriate homosexual-type magazines. So in this way, they're bringing the child along. They're starting off with something that's wrong, but it's at least associated with more natural behavior and heterosexual-type activities. And uh, something that people aren't aware of, again, I worked with a number of years with sex offenders and, and, and uh, you know, this, this kids who were abused and then abused other kids. So I worked in the human service field and as a clinician with the adolescent sex offenders in the treatment centers. And what people don't realize is that sexual abuse and all this inappropriate sexual activity comes from a very dark place. And whether it's heterosexual activity or homosexual activity, it's all demonic in nature. There's a correlation between demonic energy and all of this child abuse, and people who have, um, their sexuality comes from a dark place. You'll find people who are heterosexual in nature, but they creep people out. They creep their heterosexual partners out with their, uh, the demonic nature of, of how they've been sexualized. It comes from a very dark place within them. It's not a positive energy. It's not something that's pure. It's not something that comes from a place of love. A lot of people have experienced being with somebody that has creepy sexual energy. And so this is something that goes across the board. So we're not talking about, so even when you're looking at Bruce Jenner, his, the way they're using his, um, his whatever he's going on with him in terms of his transition, it comes from a dark place. This isn't somebody who's who's struggling with their identity. This is somebody who's been groomed and who is connected to these dark beings, the satanic beings, and this stuff is being used in a way that's just creepy, the whole Kardashian show, that whole Illuminati connection they all have. So when you think about Full House, and I never really went into depth and thought about it, but as I realized there was a connection
4: between the,
3: the, this, this Olsen picture I saw and then all these other videos I made between Bruce Jenner, that the videos are going on with Bruce Jenner, and then this, this video I just happened to watch on this woman, Kay Griggs. And so there's a connection here. So I looked at it and I said, well, what is this show really about? It's about three gay fathers raising their children, raising children without a mother. So I've talked about the war on motherhood, how they're getting rid of the sacred feminine. They're getting rid of the, um, you know, this, this really idea of a, of a loving mother. again, I'm going to talk about this more extensively. I'm going to make just a separate video on this subject. But we're talking about this idea of, a, of a, a really good woman, a spiritual woman who's connected to God. She teaches her children and, in many cases, her husband to love. And having a good, loving mother that teaches you how to love, well, that connects the person to the divinity within them, You the know, theme of all my videos. It connects them to God because God is love. And when you experience love, and if you if you don't have a mother that teaches you to love, well, this is a huge hole in your in your inner world, in in the person that you that you're going to become. So you really want to destroy the idea of the mother. So here you have a show that's really about three gay dads. So you have this idea of where the, the kids are being sexualized by you know, this Olsen twins and this other kind of creepy stuff. And then you're moving into this other idea of the gay dads. No. So let me start off. Here's a clip. This is a, some sort of satanic dream that the, the actor John Stamos has, I believe his, his character was known as uncle Jesse. I've, Unfortunately, that's in my memory somewhere, but I think that's the character's name. So he has a dream, and his girlfriend first shows up, and she's dressed in red. See, this is a a symbol. The color red is used in all these ritualistic symbols. Of course, it represents a connection to Satan. Oftentimes, there's some kind of initiation involved with the color red. So she shows up, and again, this is supposed to be a family show. And She shows up. It looks like there's a flamingo behind her. It looks like the devil's tail and she looks like one of these uh, these satanic women that comes in and um, uh, totally dressed inappropriate for young kids, the kind of kids that watch the show. I don't know who the show is targeted at. It. The script and the acting and the dialogue was just so remedial, but it, it, it looked like it was targeted at young kids. And then the, the two girls show up, the Olsen twins. Now, again, there's they're playing one character, so they show up in his dream as twins. So this is something... Uh, again going back to the two towers of Ayaz and Boaz and then all of the family shows up and they do this distorted lens type scene where they're coming back and forth and their faces are twisted this is a very common theme and you see satanic movies and satanic rituals this sort of uh, twisting of the faces making them look demonic making them look like they're warped that they're an abomination of the human creature they just always want to make things ugly and profane, and this is disturbing for the character. The character is you know, being freaked out by the twisted nature of his family's faces, and as I'm going to develop more on, as the video goes on, there's a seems to be a primary homosexual relationship between the actor Bob Saget and the, the character Bob Saget plays, and the character that... Um, uh, that John Stamos plays. And then here's Bob Saget, and his face gets, you know, he's, he's got this warped camera angle. And then uh, John Stamos's girlfriend comes out of Bob Saget's eye. So this is just some sort of uh, bizarre, Illuminati symbolism. Her, then her face is distorted. She looks very much like a man, and almost like they changed actors. and It looks like she's some sort of transvestite man. And so this, this Bob Saget turning into his girlfriend is coming out of his, his Illuminati eye. And this is something that I'll – it's just that's not a, an isolated incident. There's just a, a homosexual sort of connection between these two guys in the show. Then the Olsen twins show back up, and then this guy, the character Uncle Jesse, wakes up completely disturbed by his dream. So going back to the stuff about pedophilia – there's this subtext of pedophilia and this idea of replacing the mother with these gay men and all of these kind of things that are an underlying theme of this show. When we're talking about these sort of dark forces, people who do stuff at Bohemian Grove, these leaders and these military personnel and these people of high rank and high privilege who age in just a wide variety of sexualized rituals. Whatever These these guys that Skull and Bone say are inside the coffin, they are in an open coffin and they are performing sexual acts and sexual acts performed on them by members of the fraternity. And then they have this deep sense of shame. They have this thing that they know they've done, there's pictures and there's stories and they basically are prisoners to this system because this system, the, the people that control the skull and bones, their fellow brethren own them. And then we have this thing I talk about quite a bit, where kids are sexually abused. This happened to some of the kids I work with, where their parents would make them both uh, sexually their brothers and sisters, sometimes infant babies. So the And they cause... Per young person to completely, it's something they've done that's so horrible, there's something that they're a part of that's so creepy and so devilish and so demonic that their, psych, their psyche, their personality, their psychological makeup can't handle it. disassociate it to that. They have to put these memories someplace and their personality personalities, the idea of this dissociative disorder, which happens so much to kids who are sexually abused, people who are sexually abused, they have these fragmented personalities and they can't own a lot of the negative things that they do. They can't, anything that they do in their lives that's bad has to go in these places because shame and guilt, I'm going to make a video on this, I've talked about it for a while, shame and guilt is such a powerful tool and a powerful weapon So then you have different levels of these people in terms of being pedophiles and sex offenders. You have people who are rapists. You have people who just sexually abuse, say, little boys. Some people that abuse just young young children, really young children, you know, from the ages of babies to two years old. You have sex offenders that abuse all kinds of different people. Then you have people who are so sexually deviant, they basically... Are abusing anything and anything corpses, animals, children, boys, girls, adults anything that they can get their hands on. Someone like Jimmy Savile is a good example of this. So you have a wide range of these people, and you really can't call what they do homosexual behavior or heterosexual behavior or even pedophilia. It's something that comes from a deep demonic place. Children who have been sexually abused often associate a demonic presence with their abuser and we have uh, a situation there's an article about this woman who committed suicide and her handler was Hugh hefner and she used to call him satan or the devil i forget which Just in the article but he the the, the, the handler is often named the devil so the the person that's abused is actually calling them the devil so you see this with full house you go well is there any sort of devilish association. Well, here you go. This is John Stamos wearing a devil outfit. And so this is just one aspect of this. Of course, many people think that Bob Saget's the devil. There's just something about the guy. He wrote this creepy book called Dirty Daddy. I mean, that's the title of the book. It's supposed to be very lewd. Uh, It's got a very vulgar book. And as a comedian, he tried to push the envelope as contrast to how he was, you know, he was the most popular television personality there for parts of the the late 80s and 90s when he did America's funniest home videos and he did the Full House show, two monstrous shows, really successful. Not somebody with a lot of talent, somebody that you just get a creepy feeling just looking at. And then there's this guy, um, just to some some kind of association with the devil. Another thing I looked up because whenever I see these shows, and you go well, is there any sort of Illuminati or satanic, uh, Freemasonic free stuff going on here? I always look to see, well, is there ever an episode with a goat? So you see a lot, a lot of the sitcoms and a lot of the movies will insert a goat in there. Well, because, because this idea of Baphomet, a lot of, of the, the people that watch my videos on transgenders uh, have left comments saying that they feel like part of this is because Baphomet is androgynous you know baffin is not neither male nor female and so this is something that they're trying to push through with with bruce jenner all these a-list actors wearing dresses so it wasn't hard to find so of course there's an episode of full house with a goat because it's just what they would do and then i'm going to talk about this later on there's a, a connection between the devil and bruce jenner and full house that was sort of like the the cherry on the top of this research it wasn't hard to find it's just all right there if you look for it, and they just it's just all tied together. So I really want to emphasize this and contrast it to the idea of you have a married couple that loves each other and has a relationship with God, and there's just a a loving connection between them, and there's love when they conceive their children, and the soul of the child comes into existence and begins to develop in the mother through an act of love, and there's love during the pregnancy, the child is wanted, the father and mother are both want this baby, there's a godly connection, and all of this stuff is, is backed by a divine plan, and the soul lives in a sense of harmony and peace, and then comes into this world to a loving family environment, something that is very uncommon now. What's so much more common is an idea of a lustful type situation, where, not even lustful, because you get into this idea of, the sex coming from a dark place, drugs and alcohol being involved, coming into a world of violence and the couple hates each other. The baby itself represents a loss of freedom. It represents something that's unpleasant, something that means responsibility, a death of their youth. And so then you have an even darker situation. We're talking about these people who worship demonic entities and they hate themselves. They hate humanity they're totally devoid from any godly experience, and then they conceive a child, and then all these children are brought up in this dark world, and this is where that we are headed, and this is what this show Full House is about. So I was done with the original voiceover, and I was pulling some screenshots and getting this movie done, and I came across this article with 20 Bob Saget tweets that will ruin Danny Tanner forever. forever. And the first one was. When you love somebody, set them free. But I love my goat so damn much. So there's a, a secondary goat thing for him. So I decided to look a little bit more into whatever goat relationship the guy has, and he really has an extensive one. All right, the next piece is that um, Bob Saget was doing a comedy routine, and he picks some random guy out of the audience, and he goes off on the guy for about a minute and a half about why he shouldn't have sex with a goat. So then you have this random tweet and then this comedy routine and we already know that he had an episode of Full House, something that's been done quite a bit on sitcoms, already covered that. And the next piece is that there was this picture with Bob Saget walking out onto a stage with a goat and it's from his celebrity roast. I was originally going to cover this celebrity roast in this video but I wanted it to be a little shorter but now there's just so much here. So I went back in and did some more research on the celebrity roast. First of all, I've talked about this before. I used to watch these roasts with my dad back when they were the Dean Martin roast, and there's just always been something really bizarre and ritualistic about them. And now these Comedy Central roasts have these giant altars built with the usually with the two pillars. Um, again, these these twin pillars are often represented. It always looks like a an altar of some type or another. And then these celebrities get up and basically hammer each other in a very uh, ritualistic fashion. It's a public humiliation. It's psycho- psychologically really something that it's not appropriate behavior. It's not something that uh, people should be going around doing. And a lot of us have learned that this is socially acceptable from these roasts watching these roasts growing up. I knew that my friend and I were always ragging on each other and my family. So this has become common American behavior, um, but it's really not all that cool. It's, it's psychologically destabilizing. And there's some part of this is just about tearing people down. In all these secret societies with all this dark demonic energy, there's a big part of it's about public humiliation. About private humiliation through these ritualistic initiation rituals and then there's when they just take a celebrity down for no apparent reason these guys are always humiliated it's just part of it i talk about this in the book my book the choice you know they're surrounded by vipers <laughs> it's this sort of poisonous atmosphere with the different types of personalities and these celebrity roasts are a way for them to do some public humiliation on somebody usually some celebrity, some big-time celebrity, someone who's made a lot of money, and they haul him off, and they take him out to the woodshed, so to speak. Okay, so Bob Saget's roast starts off with him smoking a cigar with a couple of uh, strippers behind him, a couple of twin strippers. Again, this idea of the twins, and behind him is the pyramid. So you start off with the symbolism right away. And they're really pushing this narrative of Bob Saget being a scumbag, quite the contrast. To what he was portrayed on the show full house as this incredible all-american super dad and there's his stage his big altar you can see that his name saget is spelled backwards i've talked about a lot in this video how satanists are always trying to invert things another little interesting piece is bob saget's name spelled backwards is tagus it's a malaysian word and it's synonymous with ivory tower and here are all the vipers Ready to strike their victim. So then they do a little montage where they really contrast his all-American father TV image with his really vulgar, seedy drug addict comedian persona. Then you have the Twin Towers again, again on this elevator door. The door begins to open. You got dollar signs there as well. A couple of uh, blonde prostitutes are coming out of the elevator as they're getting dressed. They're followed by a grandmother, and then she's followed by a goat goat sort of pushed out there. Bob Saga comes up behind the goat, zipping up his fly. And then he says, to the goat call me. So basically he's been in this elevator with a couple of hookers, a grandmother and a goat. And they've all had some sort of multi-generational bestial orgy. Then he greets the host of the ceremony, the master of ceremony, his buddy, John Stamos. He gives him a little kiss. These guys are always together, always kissing and hugging each other. And then he sits in his throne. He's got this giant S behind him. It's an S for Saget, but it looks basically just like a dollar symbol, which, of course, is appropriate. The guy has made a fortune on his various horrible TV shows. But as this thing plays out, I realized I think they're basically saying this guy is Baphomet or he symbolizes Baphomet. I'll get into more of that in a second. The dollar sign is behind his head. Of course, there's a lot of symbolism,
0: so Illuminati,
3: Freemasonic symbolism, Satanic symbolism on the dollar bill, the monetary system. The money symbol has a lot of symbolism in it, and it. has two I's and two S's, so it spells ISIS. There's a serpent, again, the twin towers, the two pillars going up on either side of the, uh, the S. So you have all this stuff going on behind Bab Sagat, the serpent, to represent Satan. So just a, a lot of stuff. Of course, our monetary system is very evil. It's caused a lot of problems in all of our lives so you know that the the symbol that they're using is not something benevolent the comedians come out and they're rarely tearing apart bob saget and john stamos and there's always lines that they follow if like you can tell that they're speaking truth there's some level of truth to whatever they're saying they all hit the same points things that they know about these guys that the celebrities know about each other it's a way to get the truth out now i was Pretty much felt like I was already done with this video. I was just going to pull the screenshots. I was going to get it done today. I had some sort of a stomach virus, and I was feeling kind of down and out a little bit. So I didn't really want to go do any more research on this thing. But when when I saw Bob Saget walking out with a goat on his um, on the uh, entrance to his celebrity roast, I'm like, oh, this is going to be filled with stuff. The full version wasn't uploaded to YouTube, so I had to find a, a poor quality version version online, and um, it's just, you can just see the decadent nature, and they talk a lot about how the show Full House is really bad. Now, this is something where Bob Saget and John Stamos even joke about, and that's the first piece I wanted to discuss, because the show is really horrible. This is a really horrible, soul-killing show, and they know it's bad. Now, here are these guys, and you see what they're joking about being pedophiles, they're joking about being, uh, you know, basically complete scumbags. Bob Saget jokes about being a drug addict. So here these guys are really seedy guys. They're not anything like the characters they're playing on this really horrible soul-killing show, and yet they're doing a reunion. So just think about that. You know, it's, it's, it's just satanic in that sense. It's just so artistically bad. It's just so unbelievably poor quality. There's something satanic just in that. It's just a crime against humanity, how horrible these shows are. And the same thing with this horrible roast. It's just totally not, I mean, there's, I think I laughed maybe like twice going through this thing, took like an hour to get through. It's still part of me that just remembers a lot about making fun of each other and things that I used to do. So I still have that sense of humor. And even with that, this was just a really bad show, really not funny. The comedians hit a lot on how bad the show was, but the majority of the stuff they talked about was Bob Saget's sexuality. They talk about and John Stamos's sexuality. They make a lot of gay jokes. They make a lot of uh, jokes about pedophilia. Something occurred to me while I was pulling these screenshots. You know, I made a variety of John Stewart videos. I made that one video about Louis C.K. doing a mock baby sacrifice in his comedy routine, and... I talk about how John Stewart is the most trusted newsman in the country.
0: So I've made, I think, three or four videos
3: about The Daily Show and how he, he's a vehicle for propaganda. And I get a lot of comments where people say he's just, just joking. Now, these are John Stewart fans that will talk about how John Stewart is a pillar of society and he's really speaking truth. He's using his comedic craft to speak truth to power. And so there are a lot of people who will say that, you know, comedians are just a great way of, uh, they can say things that other people can't and they can get the truth out. But then when you call them on some of the stuff they do that's really evil or seedy in a way that they're channeling some sort of demonic energy into the system, they say, well, they're just joking. So they're they're these pillars of society, they're the fool, the truth talker. But as soon as you call them on some of the things they're doing, they use the No, this is just joking excuse. The thing about it is, is whatever is done in the world starts off as an idea first, and then somebody puts it down on paper, becomes a plan, or they verbalize it. They share with other people. That's the second step. And then they work towards doing something. So if you think something, something's inside your inner world, you're only a couple steps away from doing it. Any bad idea you have you think about murdering somebody, you think about stealing something, the fact that that thought is inside your internal world is a part of you and can at some point be manifested into physical events. One of my buddies back in college, he was probably one of of my friends who had the best character qualities. He was sort of a pillar of the community, ended up becoming married more quickly than a lot of my other friends, settled down, good family man, good father, just an all-around good guy. And uh, one time he recommended a movie to me. I think it was called The Accused. It's a movie with Joey Foster. And he said, you know, you should go see this movie. There's a really good rape scene in it. And I looked at it. I was like, what? how is there a really good rape scene? You know? And uh, back then I wasn't a spiritual person. I wasn't consciously a spiritual person. I wasn't someone with high moral, moral character. And yet that struck me that like this guy would say that. Now, this guy wasn't a rapist at all, but he had something in his inner world that this appealed to him, this scene appealed to him, the idea of rape appealed to him. So this is stuff that people have in their inner worlds, and whether it gets physical expression or not, when you joke about it, when you say it, when you come up with these different uh, scripts and these different types of scenarios, these guys are setting up their premises for their jokes. They're not just jokes. There's probably some truth behind them. There might be a lot of truth behind them. And we know with this pedophilia stuff, there is a ton
0: of information
3: out there about a long longstanding pedophilia, pedophilia problem in Hollywood. Now, we all know about this. It's been reported on for years. All these child stars are being, you know, have psychological trauma. I mean, look at these. These these kids that you see growing up, all these drug problems, all these child stars. So as part of his comedy routine, Bob Saget has done a version of a song he calls Danny Tanner Was Not Gay. It's sung to the tune of the Backstreet Boys That Way, that horrible song. And there's a couple versions up on the Internet. And in part of the song, he's he's basically saying that he had sex with uh, Kimmy Gibbler, that really sort of annoying character on the show, the kind of strange kid. And then during the celebrity roast, while they're doing the promo, he also, there's a little segment where they're doing the montage, where as a comedian he talks about having sex with this young girl who's definitely underage. So here he is joking about being a pedophile with one of the castmates, with one of his castmates. Now there's something that just shouldn't be joked about. John Stamos got into the act. He says, he's talking about Bob Saget's work on the American, America's, funny as home videos, he says his entire job consisted of saying, take a look at this, which is what he used to say to Mary Kay Olson in her dressing room. So again, totally inappropriate. They're working with these girls. They know what kind of culture there's in ho- there is in Hollywood. And then one comedian after the other is hitting on Bob Saget being a pedophile or that this nature of pedophilia that was an underlying sort of theme with this show. So these jokes, all these jokes, these comedians are coming, that they would choose this theme. Again, that they would hammer. Almost every comedian had something to say of the, uh, the, the, the child-molesting nature of this TV show. Of course, all these people are aware of the nature of Hollywood. They've probably all seen this stuff. They know more than we do. They live there. They live in this charged atmosphere of pedophilia and child molesters and sexual offenders and sexual predators you have these guys who are producers. I mean, if you think about it, if you're a producer, isn't this a, an ideal place to go? If you're, if you're a pedophile, you have a lot of money. You've got parents who desperately want their kids to be stars. They're basically handing them over to you. It's a real decadent culture there in Los Angeles. A lot of people are drug addicts and per, promiscuous. You know, There's not a lot of moral, high moral fiber there. So it's like, a, it's like Disneyland for pedophiles there. All right, lastly, so they cut away to one of the daughters. They've been with the middle daughter on the show, the actress who played the middle daughter of the show, and she flashes the um, the uh, Satan's horns back at the camera. So just as they're talking about all this pedophilic stuff, and we know about all this MK Ultra mind control, and this girl holds up the devil's horns. All right, so there's another piece of this is when um, – John Stamos and Clarence Leachman make out for about 30 seconds. And then you add that to the bestiality, uh, multi-generational hooker orgy that Bob Saget supposedly was doing in his intro. And then you had these comedians talking over and over again how Bob Saget is a pedophile, but they also talked about how sleazy he was with women. And now he always had these young girlfriends And then they're also talking about him being gay with John Stamos. So they're painting this picture. What are they painting? This um, basically like they're painting a picture of Baphomet, this this person that has no real sexual orientation, is all over the place, is just a very sexualized, sleazy, drug addict human being that plays in this show that's supposed to be family-oriented and supposed to be for kids this really horrible TV show. So you can see the sickness here and just they're displaying the truth. They're talking about what is actually going on here. This whole Hollywood nightmare situation, this whole nightmare culture they have there. And this show is like, you know, like the devil's spawn. I mean, there's just something evil about it. Also, I was doing this research. I came across an interview that the Olsen girls did, with Ellen DeGeneres. A lot of people leave comments saying that Ellen DeGeneres is a known handler and part of these mind control programs. I don't know. I haven't done any research on that. And she was asking them. She gave them each a paddle. And one of the paddles said um, me and the other said, said her. You know, they were trying to see what they remembered each person might have done of the twins. And she asked who, got, who, who was kissed first, who had their first kiss first. And neither girl could remember being kissed. Now, these are you know, 28-year-old, 29-year-old girls, and this is really strange that they don't. neither one of them remembers their first kiss. That's because their memory was wiped white clean because it happened all the way back when they were toddlers. There's multiple pictures of them being kissed by John Stamos. Uh, there's just all these pictures of these girls being kissed on the lips by John Stamos. It's really creepy. Now, if you don't know this already, adults should never kiss kids on their mouths, and really, adults shouldn't be kissing anybody but their spouses on their mouths. I mean, you don't kiss people that are, it's just, there's a level of intimacy associated with the mouth kissing,
0: and so you don't kiss
3: your aunts, and your it's just kind of creepy to kiss relatives on the mouth, and then to kiss small kids like this on the mouth, so these girls, here's their first kiss. It's with John Stamos years and years and years before they could ever remember it. So this is the real sickness, the real twisted nature. And there's a lot of pictures of John Stamos and, and one, of, one of the two twins, and they're dressed in red and black, all these, you know, again, these sacrificial colors, colors of these ritualistic type things. There's always red and black associated with these types of things. But the girls, just, there's something just really off about these girls. And I also found out that they not only do they gross a billion dollars in all the movies that they did, but now they have some sort of cosmetic company and they've grossed another billion dollars through this cosmetic company. And they have they have these purses and I think they made like six or seven of them and they're selling them for like $50,000. And they are these really gaudy purses with pills like medication glued to the outside of the purse. So there's some sort of twisted thing going on there. All right, again, so I just came up with this stuff doing really light research. It's all right there for people to find. I mean, they're not hiding this. They're just displaying this in their roasts and their TV shows and their interviews and their comedy routines. It's not something that you have to dig really deeply for. And like I said, when you're doing psychological work and you're doing psychological assessment, you're really trying to find out what's inside someone's inner world That's where they do the inkblot tests. I talked about the TAT, these various types of tests. They do psychological instruments to pull out information. And here's all this information just readily handed over to you, you know, these these jokes about pedophilia and about, you know, the, the sort of demonic aspect of homosexuality. It's not like two homosexual people who are in love and somebody who's, you know, struggling with their sexual identity, and there's some purity to that. They're just trying to be who they are. But this, there's just something really seedy and demonic about even the heterosexual nature of these people. It's not clean. Like I said, there's just, there's just something really, uh, it all comes from a really dark place. All right, so again, doing just some light research and come up, came up with all of this stuff. If somebody really wanted really want to dive into the cesspool, I'm sure you could pull up, Books worth of, you could do a whole um you can do volumes and volumes of videos on all of this stuff because it's just all right there to be found it 's a really seedy place, a really stark place, okay, so now on to the Bruce jenner tie in all right, so here you have this show that's obviously connected to dark energy because it's part of the system and it's just evilly bad there's <laughs> just something really devilish about it, and then there's just a connection here to all this sort of ritualistic nasty stuff and this idea of getting rid of the mother, that three men could raise children without a mother. So this is what the primary theme, the primary premise that the whole show is built on. You see a lot of these shows, uh, where the mother's not involved. Someone left a comment about how in Disney movies often the mother's dead in the first few minutes of the of the movie, Finding Nemo is an example of that. So you have a motherless show you have three men raising the children. There's this demonic connection. And then there's just this underlying homosexual subtext. And it's everywhere. You can see that with these guys, I mean, particularly John Stamos, but with all of them. And there seems to be a primary gay relationship yeah. between John Stamos and Bob Saget. John Stamos did one of these sort of funnier or die videos in 2011. They did this video together where they're cuddling. Um, you know, just extraordinarily, uh, why would they do this? You know? <laughs> there's just absolutely no reason for this. The show's long since been over. There was always gay subtones. Uh, there's just always these rumors. And this just the whole show has had this sort of um, level of behavior. But, like I said, it goes much farther away from like a a normal homosexual relationship. This is something where their sexualization, because there's pedophilic type uh, energy in the show as well. And of course, now with these Olsen twins
0: and the way they've
3: grown up, and this whole um, just the subtext within the whole show. So it's a, a show where the lowest level of sexual behavior is not gay, it's not straight, it's not pedophilia. It all comes from a very dark, demonic place. One of the twisted things about making one of these types of videos is you go through some sort of demonic checklist. Are there satanic, ritualistic-type imagery? Check. Is there Illuminati symbolism? Check. Are there subtones of pedophilia and uh, homosexuality? Check. And then for the next start, well, did the guys put on dresses? Are they in drag? Well, of course they are. So th- there's multiple scenes of these guys being in drag in and out of the show. John Stamos does a big uh, whole, like, Broadway production. And then him and Bob Saget, um, this is something recently on some award show, they dressed up like the two the, the guys from the, that old 1950s movie, Some Like It Hot. And there's John Stamos at some sort of party, a birthday party as his, with a man in drag. And then there was a whole episode of Full House in which um, Bob, Bob Saget and I forget the other guy's name, the other guy who wasn't Bob Saget or John Stamos, dress up and look very much like Tom Hanks did, Tom Hanks and the other actor that were in that show called The Bosom Buddies. And then they actually are sneaking into a fraternity or sorority or something. See that there's always this connection between fraternities and wearing women's clothing. So again, a connection to this whole thing with Bruce Jenner, the, the transvestitism. I mean, what what part of the show wasn't covered? <laughs> what part of the show did they not cover? Some sort of negative element that we're talking about? You see, it's a it's, it is a full house. They've they've hit every possible. Angle, but actually there's one more box that has not been checked, and that's a connection between Full House and Bruce Jenner. So here's the part where I start saying this is getting really bizarre. So here's the third guy, the guy isn't the, the guy who isn't John Stamos or Bob Saget. The actor's name is Dave Coulier. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but apparently he's been friends with Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner for years, 25 years. And he says in an article, the title of the article says, "Secret Safe." Dave Coolio has known about Bruce Jenner's, has known Bruce Jenner's secret for 25 years. Caitlyn used to be Nikki, and so what the guy says is that Bruce Jenner, for a long time, he wanted his female name to be Nikki. Now, so this is a really interesting twist. Not only is Caitlyn Jenner tied to these these videos, and again, I said that I was going to make this original video on the Olsen twins. And the day the, the day I was going to make this video, I made my first video on Bruce Jenner because he came out, that whole Vanity Fair thing came out. And then I made a whole series of videos that are all now tied in to this full house in one way or another. So that's really interesting. But what's even more interesting here is that he would choose the name Nikki. Now I said in an earlier video, there probably isn't a worse female name for somebody than Bruce. Bruce it just seems to be a very masculine name, and you really can't turn it into something feminine. But Nikki, <laughs> the name Nick is a very masculine name. Of course, there's people who are Nicole, and they go by Nikki for short. But if you're a transgender person, why would you choose the name Nikki? Now, most or all transgender people are not, like I said, they're not feminist. They're not trying to be warriors or manly manly females. They're not trying to be masculine. They're embracing their inner feminine. They like the the, the, the girly nature of being a woman. So the name Nikki isn't going to be high on somebody's list. But the name Nikki or the name Nick or Old Nick is another name for the devil. So you have a, a tie-in here. Again, there's a, there a video by uh, Adam Sandler called, I think, Little Nikki. There's a lot of uh, references to Nick, or the Satan, or the Devil being named Nick. So here you have Bruce Jenner tied into Nick. This guy from Full House is, is outing him as a potential somebody that wanted to take the Devil's name. All right, so that's that. I, I have no. There's no more. At least there's nothing more that I know about. Uh, you, you wouldn't think that a show that was that horrible could have so much evil packed into it. But of course it does, because all of this stuff does. It's programming. These people have been, the the demonic forces, the satanic forces, the secret societies and all this twisted energy, this dark energy, has been a part of our system for a very long time and certainly a part of the entertainment business for years and years and years. And you can see all of this stuff is weirdly tied together, even from... This really bad sitcom from the late 80s and the 90s, all the way up to 2015, and this transgender movement that is being spearheaded and led by bruce Caitlin Jenner. All right, so everything has come full circle. I got anything more to say about this? But you can see that there is a war on the sacred feminine, on the, the principle of the mother, and really, it's a war on love or God, and ultimately connecting to the God within you. I talk about this quite consistently. They're always trying to undermine your relationship with love, and there is a reason for this, and it's their primary weakness and what they're most scared of. I saw that John Stewart was flashing a very seldomly used Illuminati hand signal a few days back. I did some research about this, and meditated on it a little bit. And then as I was doing this, the pattern unfolded before me. And it's very highly likely that John Stewart is a disinformation agent working for the CIA, perhaps Mossad, the Illuminati, or whatever you want to call them. But there's a lot of evidence to support this idea, this theory. So let's get into it, and you guys can judge for yourselves. Personally, I've always been a fan of John Stewart and The Daily Show. I think what they do over there is brilliant or the brand that they've created, the Jon Stewart brand that they've created over there, I think that um, is very artistic and very clever, but I think it's also very evil and has a very negative effect on all the people that are watching it. Comedy is a very insidious way to undermine the moral structure of a society. I'm going to get into that much later in the video. Anyways, to start off with, I was pulling some screenshots or doing some research and I saw a link for John Stewart talking about uh, the recent scandal, the Bill O'Reilly scandal, on the heels of the Brian Williams scandal where both of those guys were caught lying or bragging about making false claims about their wartime reporting. I think I watched it because John Stewart's just about to retire or just announced his retirement. I thought I had some interest in it. It wasn't a very good report. But at the very end of the report, he flashed this signal. I've seen him do this before where he puts his hand on his face in a very passive way, and I know that to be an Illuminati hand signal. So I pulled a screenshot of him doing the hand signal and sat there on Photoshop for a couple of days, didn't know how or where I was going to use it, didn't know even if I was going to save it. But I remember some things about that. I remember it being a sign of self-sacrifice. You're sacrificing yourself for the order. Uh, the Illuminati order, and also it's a a sign of passivity.
4: I've seen a few other
3: celebrities and and various other people use this sort of rare hand signal where the person puts their hand on their face in a very odd way. They're having a conversation. It doesn't go along with uh, any normal body movement or any normal gesture. They're sitting there talking, and it's not like they're leaning on their hand. They're just putting their hand on their side of their face why they're doing a normal conversation, or in John Stewart's case, while they're reporting. And their hand's sitting there on the side of their face without any real reason for it. Then I had this memory this morning that I first saw this hand gesture when I was watching the movie Eyes Wide Shut with my wife many, many years ago. It's a very creepy movie. I use a lot of screenshots from that movie because it so illustrates the decadent and satanic lifestyle of the so-called occult, these ultra-wealthy people that, have, that belong to these secret societies and run the world's finances and run the world's power structure. And they have these really sick, twisted parties. This, been, this has also been illustrated uh, with some of the Rothschilds parties. There's a lot of ties between the Rothschilds and the, movies, the, the movie Eyes Wide Shut. There's a lot of thought out there that either Stanley Kubrick who also made the movie 2001, was trying to expose um, the Illuminati, expose these secret organizations and their deviant sex parties, Um, or he was just um, doing some sort of service for this group. There's a lot of theories that he was actually killed for the movie or sacrificed for making the movie. I highly recommend that you don't watch the movie if you haven't seen it already. It's just something that's very difficult to, to unsee once you've seen it. It's a very twisted movie. There's a definite undercurrent, a dark spiritual energy, a dark uh, satanic energy that goes with this movie. It sort of destabilizes your condition. I know a lot of people have reported reported that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later on in the video. As far as this video concern is concerned, Tom Cruise uh, flashed this Illuminati hand signal where he, where he put his hand to his face in a very odd way. This gesture comes at the very end of the movie. Towards the middle of the movie, Tom Cruise, sort of the climax of the movie, is Tom Cruise sneaks into this extremely decadent and disturbing satanic ritual, this Illuminati ritual, this this deviant sex party. He gets caught. Uh, This woman, he, he saved her life. He's a doctor. He saved this woman's life. She's at the sex party. She stands up for him. And Tom Cruise is basically saved by this woman. And then he goes about his business for a good day or so, and he finds out that his friend, the piano player at this sex party who told him about it, has suddenly disappeared and no one knows where he is. And the woman that he saved, uh, who he saved her life and then she saved him at the party, has turned up dead. I believe when she saved his life, they asked her if she's willing to pay the ultimate price for saving him, and she said she would. So Tom Cruise is totally convinced that his friend and this woman have been killed uh, by these uh, sort of evil, decadent people at the party. And then the Tom Cruise character confronts his friend, a wealthy businessman played by Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack admits that he was at the party. And in his billiard room, he basically lays down the law to Tom Cruise.
0: Somebody actually
3: posted a clip of this scene on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the description box. It's a very telling scene. It really, in a subtle way, exposes the Illuminati. So after Sidney Pollack admits that he was at the party and says that there's all all these incredibly heavy hitters at this party, and if Tom Cruise knew who they were, he'd be really, really frightened. And then Tom Cruise shows him a newspaper clipping showing that this woman, this model that, he had saved, that Tom Cruise had saved, her life is now dead. Sidney Pollack admits that, yes, it's the same woman that was at the party that saved Tom Cruise. And then Tom Cruise puts his hand on the side of his face in a very odd way, and he stands up. He holds it there for a good 30 seconds. It's a very odd gesture. I noticed it when I first saw the movie. I thought, why is he doing that? I had no idea about the occult. I had never heard about the Illuminati. I'd never heard about the Freemason. I had no idea what was going on in this movie. I had no idea that occult symbolism this This gesture that Tom Cruise does clearly is done purposefully. If you see the clip, you can see him he 's holding his hand on the side of his face in a very passive way, and it actually is a representation of sacrifice this woman has just been sacrificed. Tom Cruise is actually going to sacrifice his integrity in this scene. He's losing his innocence. He's going to go along with something. He's very outraged that his friend has disappeared, and this woman has shown up dead, and he's going to succumb to evil. It's a very passive expression. So he has his hand on the side of his face, and he's going to express some outrage, but Sidney Pollack is basically going to talk him down. First, Sidney Pollack flashes him a double 666 with either hand. Then, Sidney Pollack puts his hands on on Tom Cruise's shoulders. Tom Cruise is now facing the camera. He's in a very defensive position with his arms crossed, and Sidney Pollack basically threatens his life in a very subtle way. And Tom Cruise succumbs, so he's pacified. Is basically joined the order. So after I had that memory of the scene and eyes wide shut, that led me to another memory. This was a memory of a video I watched when I first was understanding that there was an occult and there was an Illuminati. I, I, I listened to this video uh, by this guy named Kent Benkowski, I believe is the way you pronounce his name. This guy had a blog named uh, the Kent Kentraversy Papers, and so I watched this video, which was about the movie Eyes Wide Shut. He starts off the interview, and he talks about he, how he was at a dinner party with his wife and another two couples, I believe, who had watched the movie The Eyes Wide Shut, and they had a similar experience to my wife and I after watching the movie. They were completely destabilized, and Kent ben, this guy Kent Benkowski ended up walking them through the movie and explaining the symbolism, which is very helpful. I'll leave a link in the description box. I found this interview i deleted the original interview that i listened to but i found another copy on youtube um and if you have watched the movie eyes wide shot this is a great way to process it the vigilant citizen also has done a three-part blog series on this movie as well it's just loaded with uh illuminati symbolism satanic symbolism as well as um connections to the rothschilds and, and that sort of thing Ken Benkowski, who I believe is dead now, I don't know if there's any foul play connected to his death or not, I don't know very much about him, does a great job of breaking down the symbolism. And then he came to that scene at the end of the movie, which I had remembered at the time.
4: So this is way
3: back when, when I was just learning about uh, the Illuminati, I was just learning about 9-11 being an inside job. I mean, this is years and years ago. I knew very little about this. And he did such a great job of breaking it down. And he talked about that scene. Ben Benkowski from his blog calls this the hand-neck gesture. He quotes text Mars' book saying that this gesture is basically about sacrifice, either self-sacrifice or the threat of sacrifice to the initiate and also the Illuminati member being willing to sacrifice himself for the good of the order. To basically throw himself on his own sword. And from his blog post, he compares Tom Cruise's gesture in the movie Eyes Wide Shut to an interview that Alan Greenspan did on The Daily Show. So this is tying everything in full circle. And I actually remember Alan Greenspan doing this interview. I watched it with John Stewart, it was 2007. I went back and rewatched the video. I remember him putting his hand on the side of his face and again thinking, wow, that's really odd. It's a really odd behavior. It was very abnormal. It was unnatural that he put out his hand on the side of his face like that. So I went and rewatched the video clip. It's available on Comedy Central. I'll leave a link in the description box. It's well worth watching because the first part of the interview, Alan Greenspan is basically explaining to John Stewart why there is a need for the federal reserve he talks about the gold standard and remember this interview happened in 2007 it was right before the 2008 uh, economy meltdown where uh, the illuminati the secret societies stole 16 trillion dollars through the federal reserve so during this interview alan greenspan knows all this is about to happen so then, toward the end of the end of the interview, he starts talking about how the it 's very difficult to to predict what 's going to happen with the economy he 's almost whining a little bit he 's talking about how the economy is very unstable, and then, out of nowhere, he takes his hand and puts it on the side of his head, face and holds it there for a very long time it 's a very odd gesture and then he says something that really gets to the heart of the whole Illuminati movement. He says, human nature hasn't changed. We can't improve ourselves. That's the excuse he uses for the Federal Reserve, for what's about to happen. In a way, he's sacrificing himself. He's just about to go through this monster economic collapse, and then he's going to step down from the Federal Reserve. So this is his way of saying, you know, it's not our fault. We can't help ourselves. Human nature doesn't change. We just can't change ourselves. This is a very recurring theme that we that we see over and over again with the Illuminati message, with the satanic message. Well, this is just human nature. We're born sinners. This is something they've they've infused into the religious organizations. They infuse through the media. It's just human nature to lie and cheat. We can't help ourselves. This is something I'm going to cover a little bit more towards the end of the video. So this brings us full circle back to John Stewart. We flash forward eight years to 2015. John Stewart has just announced his retirement from The Daily Show. He's stepping down. He's been this iconic figure. They run this news story about Bill O'Reilly and um, Brian Williams and how all these journalists have, have embellished and lied about their credentials, and then to wrap up the story, John Stewart talks about how Israel got caught lying. They flashed the graphic of Benjamin Netanyahu giving that sp- famous speech at the UN, where he's holding up a bomb and saying that Iran is 90% there, 90% of the way there to um, make a nuclear weapon. Then John Stewart points out, with a lot of which a lot of you already know, that a couple weeks after. Netanyahu gave this speech, the Mossad released a report saying that Iran is nowhere near building a nuclear bomb. John Stewart cuts away to an Al Jazeera report with this information in it, and they start off with a very odd graphic with where the Israeli star, the Star of David, is placed in the middle of this giant Illuminati eye, and then as they cut back to John Stewart, he has his hand over the side of his face. And if you ever watch The Daily Show, one of their sort of running gags is to have uh, some sort of um, odd report, some sort of uh, report about somebody's incompetence, and they come back and John Stewart has a funny expression on his face and everybody's been trained to laugh and sort of dismiss. It's a good way for them to get rid of something that should create outrage in people. This is what stand-up comedy has really done. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this towards the end of the video. But John Stewart has used this tool. They have used John Stewart as a disinformation agent who puts all this information out to people and then he diffuses it like a steam kettle, uh, like a pressure cooker where you take off the, the top to the pressure cooker and it lets out all the steam. Laughter lets out all the steam. So this is the kind of disinformation agent that John Stewart has become, what they've used Jon Stewart for. John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and a lot of these other comedians have helped the Illuminati, have helped the powers that be to get people to accept things and normalize things that they shouldn't. They do these reports and everybody gets outraged and they say, oh, this is terrible, and they laugh it off and then it becomes normal we just accept it it becomes part of our normal society. So they cut back from this report and John Stewart has his hand on the side of his face. This is something that is staged again. This is a running gag they have on Comedy Central on the Daily Show and they use this opportunity where John Stewart is going to be in a pose after they return from a video clip, and there he is with his hand on his face and for a very long time. It's probably about 15 or 20 seconds. It seems very abnormal. It's a, a very unnatural position, and it represents sacrifices. John Stewart sacrificing himself for the good of the order. Is America sacrificing itself for the good of the order, if they're good for Israel, and fighting Israeli wars for them? What is, this, what is actually the sacrifice that's being demonstrated? There's a lot of possibilities here. You guys can all voice your own opinions in the comments. I'd like to hear what other people think about this. I know this isn't the first time that John Stewart has made this hand gesture. Actually, I pulled a screenshot for something that had to do with the IRS. I never did a video on it. I have no memory of why I pulled the screenshot, but there's a picture of John holding his hand. This time it's over his eye as well, but I've seen him do it just on the side of his face. So this is a hand gesture that he's, he's done particularly. I think it's, uh demonstrates a per- person in a position of authority within the order. That's my sense of the thing. Of course, Alan Greenspan would have a very high position in the order. And then there's what Tom Cruise, who is another iconic figure represents in the movie Eyes Wide Shut, was a very iconic movie. So here's we see this very rarely used gesture and how it's played out in these three different areas. But going back to John Stewart, we're just beginning to go down the rabbit hole because there's so much more information here. Then I started having memories about his movie that he just released in the past year. John Stewart released a movie and it was very negative towards the Iranian people and the Iranian government. And the Iranian government claimed that John Stewart was a CIA Mossad agent and he was doing disinformation, which of course John Stewart mocked. The movie originated. From a report The Daily Show did, they sent a correspondent to Iran, uh, Jason Jones, and he interviewed an Iranian reporter. And that Iranian reporter was arrested because the Iranian government felt that Jason Jones, this fake reporter from The Daily Show, was a CIA agent and that this reporter was giving information to this comedian. Now on the surface, most typical American people would say this is just an Islamic paranoid government that's making an outrageous claim. Clearly John Stewart, clearly Jason Jones, clearly The Daily Show is not connected in any way to the CIA. They're comedians. They're jokesters. They do fake news. They make light of news. But they did a very hard-hitting piece on the elections in Iran. And then the Iranians arrest this reporter, and then he writes a book. And Jon Stewart does a movie about how this reporter goes through all this torturous, this Islamic torture that he goes through to eventually be released, so that 's John Stewart's movie. but why would the Iranians think that something as silly and as light and uh, inconsequential as the Daily show could actually be a CIA front. And now all these people would say, yeah, that's ridiculous and just dismiss it out of hand. But what evidence do we have as Americans that this is actually true or this could actually be true? Well, let's look at the Ben Affleck movie, the Academy award winning Ben Affleck movie that I think won the Academy award in 2013 was based on a true story where a CIA agent posing as a film director for a science fiction movie that they were, allegedly or lying about saying that they were going to film out in the Iranian desert went into the Canadian embassy where they were hiding six potential American citizens that were going to be hostages if they didn't get them out of there. And they smuggled them out of the country. So you had this complete deceptive uh, historical deceptive narrative where the CIA posing as Basically, um, entertainment people as a movie crew duped the Iranian government. So we've already had the situation fool me once. So it isn't some crazy Islamic people being whacked out of their minds and coming up with these incredibly paranoid ideas. This has already played out. This is this historical narrative that has already happened to them. And then there's, of course, the fact that the CIA, 60 years ago, they've just admitted to this on the 60-year anniversary, Operation Ajax, where the CIA created a civil uh, disturbance by bribing a bunch of thugs to create uh, dissension and overthrow the highly popular and very moderate leader who was about to take um, a lot of the profits profits from British petroleum. And, of course, there's uh, an Israeli angle to this story as well, So the CIA went in there and took out this moderate, democratically elected leader, by all accounts was a very good and noble man, and they placed in the Shah of Iran, who was a very bloodthirsty, brutal dictator. His people suffered for a number of years. There was an uprising, and that gave way to the radical Islamic right-wing government they have today, and the riots and the hostage-taking, which led to the movie Argo. So what else might the Iranian government find suspicious? What about John Stewart? He couldn't be anything. He's just this very lovable comedian that everyone thinks is an honorable man. This is a from the website freetheearth.com, talking about John Stewart and his brother. John Stewart and brother Larry are a bad joke. How much do we really know about funny man John Stewart, whose political satire is the main source of news for many Americans who watch The Daily Show. First of all, John Stewart's real name isn't John Stewart, his real name is John Stewart Leibowitz. He dropped the Leibowitz from his name and has changed the spelling of his middle name from Stewart to Stewart. Why? Because he wants to hide his connection to his Jewish Zionist older brother, Larry Leibowitz. John's older brother, Larry Leibowitz, is none other than the chief operating officer of the New York Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange is the biggest scamming, Ponzi-scheming, money-laundering casino on planet Earth, and John's older brother, Larry Leibovitz, is the gangster who runs it. Do you see how all the pieces fit together? Of course the Rene government would be suspicious. John Stuart is a connected individual. Perhaps he's a Mossad agent. Perhaps he's connected to the CIA. Either way, he's a player. His family is connected to the big money people. John Stewart and his job at The Daily Show, his iconic job, his iconic personality, his iconic brand is also connected to the big money people. And yet that isn't even all of it. There's even more evidence supporting Iran's so-called ridiculous conspiracy theory that John Stewart is a Mossad agent and the Daily Show reporters were working with the CIA and the Mossad to destabilize Iran and arresting this individual who talked to them possibly a CIA operative that the Iranian government knew about there's a lot of information about the company that owns the Daily Show and how they're connected to the CIA, the company that owns the Comedy Central Network that The Daily Show on is Viacom. Viacom is owned by CBS. So we talk about CBS, we're talking about their logo and the all-seeing eye. CBS was originally called the Columbia Broadcast System. Columbia is from the Colombian branch of the Freemasons or the Colombian branch of the Illuminati. There's also District of Columbia. That's that's how that gets its name. The District of Columbia and the CBS network both get their Colombian name from the Colombian branch of the Freemasons, or better known now as the Illuminati. So the parent company that owns The Daily Show is directly connected to the Illuminati. But let's look at Viacom now and see what other assets they have. Viacom also owns Paramount Pictures. Paramount, if you remember, is the motion picture company that uses the mountain that looks very much like a pyramid as their logo. So you have the evil all sighting eye of CBS, and then you have the, um, the py- pyramid-looking mountain for Paramount. But then the other television networks, they own MTV, they own VH1, they own Nickelodeon. All of these programming networks have been very instrumental in degrading the morality of our young people. If you look at the programming on Nickelodeon, these very ugly, abusive, violent cartoons have really degenerated uh, the mental capacity and the morals of young people for many generations, and then they graduate up to MTV, which has been just this moral cesspool, and then you end up in Comedy Central, where you have, again, this idea of comedians, stand-up comedians. And I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. I love stand-up comedians all my life, but I've recently, in the last so many years, realized how much stand-up comedy has really degraded the morals and the ethics of the modern American people. They brought in so much filth through stand-up comedy and we laughed at it and it all became normal. So many different vulgar expressions, so, much, so many ideas about sexuality and all these sort of degenerate things that you see stand-up comics saying and we laugh at them and they sort of bypass the censors, they bypass um, parental controls and they become normal. Sitcoms, situation comedies have brought in a lot of moral degradation. So you see that Viacom owns all of these networks that have worked towards degenerating the morality of the American people. So you can see where the Iranian people and the Iranian government, look, if we know this, if I know this, and I'm just some guy who did some research and has some intuition in a meditative state, about some of these things and i've watched the daily show for a number of years and i know a little bit about this kind of stuff very little about the occult and i can put this together you can put this together lots of us can put this together so what can a whole billion dollar government that has trained spies and has a trained intelligence intelligence agency they're going to know john stewart is connected to To you know all kinds of various organizations, every famous celebrity, every famous person is connected to the Illuminati, pretty much everybody knows this now, even incredibly. Brainwashed mainstream people who don't believe 9/11 is an inside job know about the Illuminati and their connection to the rap music industry, their connection to the entertainment industry, their connection to politicians and corporations. They know about the logos. They know about the the hand signals. So the Iranian government can put two to two two and two together and think that this reporter and the Comedy Central News crew are coming to Iran to do a hit job for the Illuminati. But wait, there's even more. The famous investigative reporter Carl Bernstein, famous for Woodward and Bernstein that supposedly broke the Watergate scandal that brought down President Richard Nixon, has an an article about the CIA and the media, and he says, by far the most valuable of these associations he's talking about the associations between the CIA and news organizations it's direct links where the news organizations are reporting things the CIA way tell them to report and he says by far the most valuable of these associations according to the CIA officials have been the New York Times CBS and Time Inc so the CIA has admitted to reporters that there they have connections to the cbs network which owns viacom which owns comedy central and owns the daily show and all of us probably know this already because the cia and massad and these other nefarious organizations and the illuminati run all of our media i'm sure pretty much every person watching this video already knows this and if we already know it again so does every other government, including the Iranian government. So when John Stewart sends a reporting crew or the the john stewart 's handlers or whoever sends a reporting team over to Iran to cover their elections, and they know that Israel is very connected and very powerful in the American media entertainment industry, and they are connected to John Stewart John Stewart is connected to Mossad, they would be rightfully extremely concerned about having this crew over covering their elections, given the fact that Israel is doing everything in their power to find a way to bomb Iran and to stabilize their government, just like they're doing in every other country in the Middle East. So they were right to assume that this person, this reporter, this Iranian reporter, talking to The Daily Show was something that was not good for Iran, and more than likely he was a double agent or a spy reporting information to his CIA or Mossad handlers through the Daily Show network. Yesterday, after I finished the narrative up to this point, an interesting thought came to me, and today I did some more research, and it confirmed my suspicion. The thought was, why would The Daily Show send a reporter, a so-called reporter, to Iran? If, you, if you're familiar with the way The Daily Show does their reporter pieces, they're mainly done in front of a green screen. They almost never send somebody out. One of their actors, one of their comedians, they never send them out into the field to do a real new, news piece, and when they do send them out to into the field, it's usually to some backwater sort of rednecky, right wing type place in America, where the reporter goes to mock and make the people look really, really stupid. If the Daily Show comes to you and says we want to interview you for a news piece, you say no. They're going to make you look stupid. They're going to edit in a way that makes you makes you look stupid. They're going to make you look anti-scientific and backward they're going to do it in a light humorous way but the effect is still the same it's a divisive effect mocking is always a negative thing Um, and i'm going to get into this a little bit more towards the end of the video so then we have this odd situation where the daily show goes against everything they've established as being their routine and format john stewart has said over and over again that people shouldn 't trust him as a newsman, that this is a comedy show it 's not a news show. John Stewart, for a very long time, has been the most trusted newsman in all of American journalism. I think most of the polls have it where John Stewart is twice as trusted as any other anchor news anchor uh, in any of the major networks or any news reporter, so this guy has double the trust he 's established. Double the trust among American people. There are many American people that get their news exclusively from The Daily Show. I want to restate this: that Jon Stewart is clearly a player. I went back and pulled, did some research, and he was making between 25 and 30 million dollars a year hosting The Daily Show. He's worth more than 80 million dollars. His brother is the chairman of the on the New York Stock Exchange. He just got a a $16 million uh, golden parachute. I believe he was making $6 million a year. These are big time, highly successful brothers who are established in both the highest levels of the media industry and the financial world. There's another Jewish American family, Rahm Emanuel. His, his two brothers, one's a highly successful doctor, I believe, and the other one is a Hollywood agent. You know, Rahm Emanuel, for many years, was Barack Obama's uh, handler. He was Barack Obama's puppet master. And then he went on to become the mayor of Chicago. I believe that he was either in Mossad or he was in the Israeli army. So, he was someone with dual citizenship, with dual loyalties, a very high position, his brothers also in very high position in American society. So we see this sort of thing, again, this idea of double agents. I talk about this idea of worm tongue in another video where you have these players who may have loyalties to another country or these secret organization. I mean, we see this throughout the media and throughout the Hollywood industry and throughout the politics where you have these secret organizations, whether they be religious or they're from another nation or they're the Illuminati, whatever they may be, but they put these people in high positions of power, and they're there to undermine the what's best for the American people, what's best for the people of the world. So you have John Stewart, who's clearly a player, the Daily Show that's clearly a part of these organizations, sending a news team to Iran, and the Iranian government is justifiably concerned. So I went back and I watched all the various reports that Jason Jones did from Iran, and he clearly is doing a hit piece on the Iranian government. He's clearly doing some co- subconscious work on the American people, uh, hammering home a lot of ideas. He says over and over throughout the reports that Iran is evil. They're mocking the government in various ways and then talking about how the government there is, is really, really oppressive. Now, the government there is oppressive, but, you know, there's a lot of oppression here in America. There's the drone strikes. There's a lot of evil here. There's a lot of evil with our uh, our close ally, Israel, and what they're doing in Palestine. John Stewart hasn't sent any of his news teams to cover all the drone strikes, say, that Americans are doing over in Iraq and other places, even here in the United States, the drone activity or any of these arrests that people get for um, being a part of organic farming where SWAT teams show up at their front door and kick open their door because they're selling raw milk and these sort of oppressive activities. There's a lot of oppression here, there's a lot of oppression all over the world, but they chose to go to Iran right before a very contentious election where they had riots. And then John Stewart goes on himself to say, he admits basically that Jason Jones is a spy They say these things facetiously, they say these things with sarcasm or with irony. It's, again, they're using their comedic tools. They're saying, no, this is just a joke. But they are saying these words. The human brain on many levels doesn't process sarcasm. It doesn't process satire. On a subconscious level, on a spiritual level, there's layers of innocence within all people. So you have this very trusted Newsman, you have this very trusted organization. You have a lot of people who get only their news from uh, this daily show, know nothing about Iran, and then over and over again, they are saying these words, Iran is evil. They're saying this. They're saying these sorts of things, and they're doing it in a comedic way, so they have deniability. And again, if anybody says, look at what you're saying here, no, we're just a comedian. No, it's just a joke. So this is the thing we have with stand-up comedy. We have all these people who are able to put out ideas that are evil ideas. They're able to make rape jokes or something of that nature, things about horrific abuse, and they don't get the same kind of scrutiny that everybody else gets because they're saying, no, it's our job. We're just joking. They can say things and say it gives them the permission to say things that other people can't get. It's the archetype of the fool, the archetype of the joker that gets away with things that other people can't get away with, and they put ideas out there into the public that then become normal and accepted. So much of our moral degradation has come through the role of stand-up comedy, has come through the role of these uh, agencies like The Daily Show that are working. You have these players. They're either Mossad agents, they're CIA agents, or they're part of the – the Illuminati, or all of the above, maybe just just one organization. And they're able to infuse this moral degradation out to the American people and do it under the guise, oh, we're only joking. And this is how evil works in a very insidious way. It just slips in through the cracks and the, and the crevices. I've just been pulling a bunch of screenshots for another video. I want to cover this more extensively in a, in a future video. But I came across this... Ad for a movie that I never knew existed. It's called The Devil Inside, and their tagline was "No soul is safe." So I went and watched the trailer of the movie, and there's just just the fact there are horror movies shows you how much influence there is with these dark entities, with these dark organizations, with this satanic organizations, with the Illuminati, and all these negative entities that are saturating. The planet right now. The dark energy is overwhelming the planet right now. There's an imbalance between good and evil forces. Uh, And so I went and watched this um, video, and it's about demonic possession and exorcism. And they really want to convey the message that the devil, that the dark entities, that demons are overwhelming and they overwhelm people. But that's not how evil works at all. We are in contact with dark energies, with dark spiritual beings, with demons, with devils, with all this dark energy on a daily basis. It comes through your computer, comes through your TV. It's in us and around us. We have these beings that are all around us. We also have light beings, what people call angels, all around us as well. And they influence us on a daily basis. And it's done in a very subtle way. The dark beings use much more force and they use a lot more coercion, um, but they are still doing things in a much more subtle way. Same thing with what we see with subliminal messaging and how television works. All of our electronic devices have a very dark energy that's associated with them. They have a negative effect on our spiritual beings, on our, our spiritual bodies, the subtle bodies that all of us are made up of, and all these dark energies have a gross effect, a very solidifying effect on our spiritual bodies. And so we are in contact with both light and dark energy all the time. And evil doesn't, they're not going to throw some guy up on the Daily Show, some devil like creature that has horns and looks like a bull and it's beet red, has beet red flesh, and is going to say that he's the devil. What they're going to do is use people who have some positive characteristics. They're going to build a brand for this person, and then they're going to get this person to pass out dark energy. To you, whether it's the, someone like John Stewart on The Daily Show or someone like Katy Perry at her music video, they're going to put their symbols, they're going to put their symbolism, they're going to put their ideas out with whatever vehicle they can, whether it be music, whether it be comedy, they're going to use these mediums to transfer this energy into you. And so... Um, again, this video is just another example where I'm talking about this idea of having a connection with the divinity within you, with the God within you. Because as you build up that connection, you get to see this other stuff more clearly and you get to build up defenses and the, the, the awakened spiritual energy that's inside your heart, the divinity that's inside your heart is able to um, cleanse you and um, help you purify yourself of all of this negative energy getting into you. So I'm gonna cover this much more extensively in future videos. I'm gonna talk about how to recognize this dark energy. You can just see the patterns. The patterns are there time and time again. You can see behind the facade, behind the illusion. In this case, it's the illusion of stand-up comedy. But on a much, much deeper level, all of us have God within us. And any religion and any person telling you that you don't have God within you is steering you in the wrong way. They're doing the devil's work in a sense. They're disconnecting you from your spiritual support team, from the light beings, from the energy that's within yourself, the love that's within yourself. This is the stuff that you have. These are the tools that you have to live a higher developed life on this planet, a planet that right now is saturated with dark entity, entities and dark forces. But if you connect to the God within you, you can live a much more balanced existence even in these dark times. And any spiritual master in any country, in any religion, any saint – any highly developed spiritual being. They were just normal people like you and I who were able to connect to the divinity within them. And they were able to undergo incredible tests, incredible uh, battles with evil, where evil was just descending on them. And this drove them in deeper and deeper, where they connected deeper and deep, deeper levels to the God that's within their hearts. They were, became more loving beings. They became. a a manifestation of God in human form. So this is something that's available to all of us. And you can't turn on the television now. You can't go on the internet. You can't see anything that comes from mainstream people or even the alternative media, because the alternative media, for the most part, is just covering the information in a different way, the same information that's being pumped out to all of us. They're only covering it in a different way. They're showing the same video clips. They're talking about the same subject matter. They're just talking about it from an idea that this comes from the Illuminati, but they're not talking about it from the sense that there's a God within you. So they have this movie named The Devil Within, but do they make a movie called The God Within? So this is something that I've talked about over and over again. You know, I've read books about this. I have a children's book called my friend within it's about the divinity within the child it's something that all children should be aware of that all children should have this idea put in front of them it's just about to wrap this video up the video was originally often say in my videos often write my comments that i don't believe in accidents i believe things are scripted to a large extent in terms of our material lives manifesting themselves from a, from a spiritual plan ahead of time. And what started out is me seeing this picture, this pose that John Stewart, this Illuminati hand gesture that John Stewart threw out there, and I pulled a screenshot. That's all the information I had three or four days ago when I originally pulled this screenshot. None of the information that's in this video I knew at that time. Some of it might have been buried in my memory or subconscious. But all I had was that screenshot and some distant memories about that, what that Illuminati hand gesture meant.
0: I didn't have any
3: of the other information that I presented in this video. But by digging in and starting the narrative and starting to pull screenshots, and doing some research and thinking about this, walking around in a meditative state, the pattern started to unfold. And then this video came to life as you see it now. The truth is always there for us to discover it. It's just that we have to open up to it and concentrate on it to think about it a little bit and watch it unfold. It grows like a plant in front of us. So another piece to this puzzle, while I was making this video, I happened on the movie The Twelve Monkeys. And I'd seen this movie years and years ago. It was released in 1995. I probably watched it on video in 1999 or 1998, forgot everything that was in the video often like to go back and watch some of these old science fiction movies that i've seen now knowing the different things about illuminati symbolism knowing about predictive programming and the various narratives that you can see in these videos it's like going back and watching how you've been programmed how you've been poisoned the stuff that you received but you never knew you received and now you can go back and say oh yeah i i I I received this programming. So anyways, as I was putting the finishing touches on this video, merging the narrative with the screenshots, I was watching in the background this movie, The Twelve Monkeys. You can see from the cover photo of the movie, you can see the Illuminati eye, the eye of Horace, with, with the stars Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Brad Pitt. And so right there you see Illuminati symbolism back there in 1995. So I was watching this movie and then there's this hand gesture. Bruce Willis puts his hand on Madeline Stowe's face, very similar to the way John Stewart and Tom Cruise and Alan Greenspan all did the same gesture and I knew from the ending of the movie, the way the end of the movie was playing out, there was going to be a sacrifice. These two characters were sacrificing themselves and there was a larger sacrifice. So I thought, All right, this is definitely gonna be tied in to the video I'm making, so I, was, I went back and looked through the movie and pulled a bunch of screenshots. So first of all, before I get into the plot, there is a ton of predictive programming. there's always is in these science fiction movies. The movie's set in 1997, and it was released, I believe, in 1995. So it wasn't something that was that was um, deep into the future, and yet it was just loaded with predictive programming. There is a uh, Character played by Brad Pitt, who's extremely mentally ill, and he goes on a rant about transhumanism, how they are creating a cybermind for him. They've taken all of his thoughts and uploaded them to a computer, very much so. Very much so, like the videos I've just made talking about transhumanism, the 2045 movement, movement and Ray Kurzweil and all that sort of thing. So back in 1995, when they made this movie, they already were talking about what they were going to do in 2045 moving towards transhumanism so the next piece is that the main character bruce willis later on in the film takes out two of his molars that have rfid chips in them so are already talking about this predictive programming a lot of people are aware that they've been putting rfid chips in our teeth and our fillings for a number of years lots of people have these chips already So, again, back in 1995, they were already training us, they were already programming us with transhumanism and RFID chips. But the main pieces of predictive programming and the main plot line is about 9-11. There's a lot of 9-11 symbolism in there. Again, this movie was made, it was released in 1995. Uh, I guess that's uh, six years right before 9-11. A lot of 9-11 stuff, and mostly tied into eugenics. The whole movie is really about eugenics. So to go through the plot line and the storyline, again, I was just sort of scanning the movie. I'm sure there's a lot in there that I missed, and there was just a ton that I found doing a light scan while I was doing this other work. To start with, Bruce Willis, the main character of the movie, is a prisoner in the future around 2025, and he's sent on time-traveling missions back to the year 1996, the year right before... There was this deadly virus outbreak that was a result of some terrorist activity that wiped out five-sixths of the population, five billion people, a very similar theme to what we see today going around talk, that's talked about within the eugenics movement. Also, there is a recurring theme in the movie where Bruce Willis, as a young boy back in 1996, is watching this scene at an airport, where somebody gets shot, and as the movie develops, you get you begin to get the sense, or you begin to see that he's watching himself get shot in the airport, And he has this memory over and over again. So, as a young boy, he's watching himself get shot and killed in some future, in some ver- future version of himself, sent back in time where he's. Um, where he watches himself be killed. Very similar storyline to a more recent Bruce Willis movie called Looper. So this is a recurring theme, not just in terms of the movie, where this dream is a recurring dream for Bruce Willis, but also for movies that he himself has been in, where he sees an older version of himself in the movie. So again, there's this huge die-off, this huge wipeout by a bio- biological virus that the scientists of the future are trying to understand so they can reverse the process. Everyone's living underground in this dark post-apocalyptic world. So as the ending of the movie plays out, it plays out at the airport. The climax of the movie is at the airport. This dream that he's been having his whole life took place at the airport. And this climax of the movie is just loaded with 9-11 symbolism and and predictive programming. You can see here is the two towers. I believe it's called I.O.S. and Boaz of the Freemasonic Lodge. And right under that is a TSA gate. And that's where the climax all plays out. This is where Bruce Willis' sacrifice is going to happen, again, with the sacrificial gesture. More on that in a moment. So the villain, the arch-villain, is going through the TSA gate. He's a mad scientist who's about to release this virus. He has purchased plane tickets for various airports around the world, and he had this, has this deadly experimental virus, and he's about to release it all over the globe, and thus he's going to wipe out 5 billion of the 6 billion people on planet Earth. He opens up one of the vials and has one of the PSA agents sniff it, so he's already released this virus here at the PSA gate. And so this ties into 9-11, the idea that, Through the TSA gate, these terrorist activities took place, this false flag took place, and this has been a virus that we're now on a path where they're going to wipe out five, six of the population or more. And then there's another piece of predictive programming, the TSA agent, after the villain is cleared through security, calls him back and and holds up a pair of the guy's underwear. Again, going back to the underwear bomber, the invasive nature of, post 9/11 TSA security at airports there's just so much predictive programming here so much in this just one little scene and then Bruce Willis crashes through TSA here it's very much like the um, the security that's now in airports so there's a lot of predictive programming even in that he's intending to shoot this super villain you already know what's going to happen because you've seen the dream over and over again here you can see these two Um, metal detectors where people are walking through very much look like the twin towers. They're standing right next to each other and they're leaning a very odd camera angle for the director of this movie to use. Why are they tilted like that? looks like a representation of the twin towers falling. And so these two guys, these two cops gun Bruce Willis down. You already know this is going to happen again. You've seen it over and over and then we go back to that scene where Bruce Willis's character puts his hand on Mad- the Madeline Stowe character's face. He's holding his hand on her face in that sacrificial position. We're about to sack our- sacrifice ourselves for the order. So as you're watching this movie, you see this dream sequence play itself out over and over again, where there's Daddy. a woman and a man with long hair and a mustache is being shot down. He's wearing this Hawaiian shirt. By this point in the movie, Madeline Stone has dyed her hair blonde, and you know that she's the woman in the image. Bruce Willis, who has been bald all the movie, now has a wig on, and you already know that they're going to be sacrificed, that he is going to be shot down. She's more than likely going to prison, and so there's this idea of sacrifice. So you have this same hand gesture used here by John Stewart, used by Alan Greenspan, and also... Tom Cruise and I happen to be making this video about this very obscure hand gesture and I end up watching this incredibly obscure movie that has this very similar hand gesture. Next scene is equally telling. Madeline Stowe is seen in the dream or the memory, Bruce Willis's childhood memory. is seen running towards him after he's been shot wearing the sacrificial red dress that you see so much in the Illuminati symbolism. And then she rushes to him and while he's dying, he again places his hand, the sacrificial hand, this time he has blood on it on the side of her face, She's blonde, the idea of these young blonde women, these young blonde sacrificial girls that are so much a part of these rituals. They have failed to kill the evil scientist. She's going to be arrested. No one's going to believe her. He's on the plane right now traveling all around the world releasing this virus. So they've both been sacrificed, but so have 500 million people and again there's all this 9-11 reference in here all this idea of eugenics is tied into this narrative the two are going hand in hand and so there's a huge sacrifice this is a sacrificial movie a sacrifice that just happened a major sacrifice then after he is already dead she takes his hand his hand goes limp she pulls it back up and places it back on her face and so there's a very temble- telling symbolism as well as the police come and tear her away from the dead body. And as she's being arrested, she looks around the airport looking for Bruce Willis's younger version of himself. And she sees the younger boy watching the scene, watching himself be murdered years into the future. And he's crying. He's about to face a desperate situation on planet Earth. He's connected to an older version of himself on an interdimensional level. He's too young to realize it. and this scene, this life is going to play out for him, a very very desperate and difficult life he has ahead of himself in a very bleak, post-apocalyptic world. The movie concludes now. The supervillain, the terrorist, the bioterrorist, is now on the plane. He sits next to this ghastly sort of creepy pale woman who's very serious she says to the man it's obscene the violence and lunacy shootings even at airports now you might say that we are the next endangered species
0: human beings
3: and the supervillain says i think you're right ma'am i think you hit the nail on the head and the woman says jones